But anyway, welcome into Hoopsville. And uh, I'm your host, Dave McHugh. If you didn't know that already, if you got questions for us, you can always tweet us at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. Email us, Hoopsville at D3Hoops.com. Join us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Hoopsville. Lots of ways to interact with us. We hope you'll take full advantage of them. Uh, we are on Instagram at D3Hoopsville as well, though we use that primarily as a promotional tool uh, more than a communication one because in show, it's 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 a little bit challenging, folks. Let's just be honest. Um so still lots going on in Division Three this week. That's why we got a show today. And we're doing it in the afternoon because we figured, well, you know, you all deserve uh, a little bit of something to distract you. Uh, whether you're still out there shopping at the last minute, whether you're on the roads heading out somewhere for the holidays, um, or what, where, how, whatever you're doing uh, on this Thursday before the holiday. I, this is a day that I know from my years of working even in television, I didn't want to be doing anything. Uh, Christmas is too close around the corner. And I know not everybody celebrates Christmas, but there's just that feeling in the air. Uh, there's a big, nice big storm outside uh, our doors. I'm disappointed because it's not snow. Um, so it's one of those dreary days here on the East Coast, or at least in the Mid-Atlantic region. So I'm hoping we can entertain you in some way, shape, or form. Again, you can tweet us or email us or do whatever you need to do to uh, interact with us. And we hope you'll take full advantage of that when you can if you got questions for us tweet us uh as i said and we hope you'll do that because why not um hold on we lost our system here hold on going back to it here we go uh let's see we're also on periscope today we experimented with it on sunday it seemed to work so we're trying it out today too if you got questions send them our way uh there we go got our chat windows now open appropriately where they need to be open um, stuff going on, so we still want to talk about that stuff. We also want to preview the classic and whatnot. I uh, guess let's talk about those. Uh, we'll start with women's basketball, number 25th team in the country, Austin. We talked a lot about the Texas schools. Uh, four or five of them have at least received top 25 attention, if not been in the top 25. So we'll talk to Austin. The Ruse made the top 25 for the first time earlier this season, getting as high as number 19 before falling out. They're back in the bowl. We'll talk to them about that. Also talk to Michelle Feilander about what she expects out of the SCAC. A little bit of a down Texas Trinity squad. Doesn't mean they're still not dangerous, though. They're still going to compete for that conference title. But also what's on the other side in the ASC. And, and if she's willing to look down the road a little bit, and what it could mean for the NCAA tournament with so many Texas schools potentially in the mix this year. It's a good and a bad thing, to be honest with you. We'll also talk to Linfield men's basketball coach Shannon Rosenberg. They played Nor uh, Nebraska Wesleyan the other night and played well for the most part. Nebraska Wesleyan ended up winning the game somewhat easily, at least by score, and certainly the last five or ten minutes of that contest. But Linfield led at halftime and were playing pretty darn well early in the second half as well, proving what many of us suspected, that Linfield was going to be pretty solid this year. They're going to give both wits a run for it in the Northwest Conference. We'll get his take on all that. Plus, we'll see him at the D3Hoops.com Classic along with his team, get his take on that event as well and what they've got lined up for them. We'll also debut something new here. Again, this is a year of trying to do things differently, talk to more student-athletes. We'll also talk to conference commissioners throughout the season. Normally, we get a conference commissioner on if they're involved with a committee or a chair of committee. Well, the one we'll talk to today has been in that role and talked to us, 
having been in that role. Steve Ulrich from the Centennial Conference will talk with us and, and chat. Steve's actually retiring after umpteenth years, basically the only commissioner the Centennial Conference has seen. We'll talk to him about what has changed in Division Three, how the Centennial Conference and himself have been influential, especially on basketball's uh, topics and whatnot. We're also going to take maybe from him on, on what he thinks the conference will uh, shake out to be this season in men's and women's basketball. Also, Gordon Mann reappears on the program in a pre-taped segment. And via phone, so he's not going to be seen. But Gordon will uh, help me break down the first semester. If you remember on Sunday, we had uh, Bob Quillman and, and Ryan Scott on and do a little bit of a buy and sell. Also, their takes on uh, the first six weeks of the semester or of the season, the end of the semester. Gordon will do the same. We'll uh, buy and sell with him. We'll also get his take on things. So looking forward to all that coming up here on the show. Hopefully we uh, don't go too far um, past four. I think if we time things out, we should be pretty good at about uh, right ending at four o'clock. And of course, if you're watching this on demand, or you're listening to the podcast. Thank you so much for doing so. Hey, let's look at some of the uh, top 25 action from this week. Again, not a lot, but some interesting notes. Uh, first off, top 12, all with games. I don't see anybody idle, uh, at least in the week ahead with the holidays. Uh, but nobody's lost as of yet. Plattsburgh lost to Wesley in 84-73. Interesting result there for the Cardinals against the Cardinals. Um, Plattsburgh's 8-2. and two. I think Plattsburgh's a good team here, folks. I really do. I just don't think they're that good. I think they're still trying to figure themselves out. Unfortunately, I also think the Suniac may challenge them. I'm not expecting a huge challenge out of Suniac. I don't know if Plattsburgh can kind of recreate what they did last year unless they kind of buckle down. And, and games like Wesleyan are going to be important for them. They've got Case Western Reserve coming up here today. They need that win today for sure. Worcester, for the first time since the Reagan era and first time since Steve Moore's first season at the helm, have lost three straight games, including number four Whitman, 89-78, and Sol Ross State, 88-84, uh, so far this week. That was down in Mesa, Arizona at an event Worcester was actually hosting uh, at a uh, community college, I believe. So they've lost three straight, because remember, the two games here, we got another game prior to that. So they're now 7-3. and three. They get a break for the holidays. They'll take on Ohio Wesleyan on the 29th, then New Jersey City on the 30th, then come back from the new year and will take on DePaul on the 5th. In other words, it's not going to get easier here for Worcester. I don't. I think they can maybe get past Ohio Wesleyan, but this could be an interesting moment here for Worcester, who was 14th in the poll. I did not vote for them. The rest of the top 25, quiet or idle, those receiving votes. Quiet or idle, except for Center, who lost to Augustana handily, 90-64. to 64. I have a feeling the previously undefeated Colonels will no longer receive two votes uh, after that result. And I don't mean to beat on center, but this is the proof of not all undefeated seasons or undefeated records are equal. Um, one voter either gave center his 24th spot or two voters gave him their 25th spot at 9-0, and and they got handled by Augustana. Uh, I, there was nothing on center's resume that told me that they were a top 25 team, and thus I didn't vote for them. Speaking of which, I did finally blog out my ballots. I put all of them out. Preseason weeks one, two, three, and four, all out on a um, on a uh, blog uh, on a tab table to be sure. And then just some thoughts. Uh, I didn't dive in too deep. We'll start diving in deeper come January. 
Uh, let's see here. If you got questions for us, tweet us at D3Hoops or hashtag Hoopsville. Email us, hoopsville, D3Hoops.com. Join us on Facebook, Facebook.com slash Hoopsville. Jay Cozen says, Merry Christmas and Happy New Year. Dave, to you and your family. Well, thank you, Jay, to yours as well. Look forward to being with you guys again from start to finish for the Classic from Vegas. Is Ira joining you and Pat again this year? So, well, we'll look forward to having you as well, Jay, on our broadcast. We'll talk more about the D3Hoops.com Classic here in a bit. I guess we could talk, well, we'll yeah, we'll talk about it now. Um, Pat and I have to survive day one. It'll be Pat and I for five games on the first day, on the 27th, starting, I believe, at noon local, so 3 o'clock Eastern time. Uh, we then have six games the following two days and a solo game, a one-off, on our final day, the 30th. Uh, Ira will join us for days two and three, the sixth game days. He will not be there for day one. So I, Pat and I just need to survive the first day. Uh, get through five games. I am used to calling four games of soccer in one day. Basketball shouldn't be that much more challenging, except there's so much other things that we do. Not only running the video broadcast, we have someone videotaping anyway, but we uh, run the scoreboard and all that stuff on the graphics, commercial breaks, broadcasting, obviously. But we also do a whole host of, of interviews while we're there. We interview each program, whether it's a coach or a student athlete or both. Um, throughout, and usually we try and do interviews from the very beginning. Uh, we're going to have to figure a way to get some of those interviews done on the first day so we aren't uh, basically swamped with twice as much work the next two days. Uh, it's certainly doable the next two days, in my opinion. It's just not ideal, but we'll see what happens. Uh, but, yeah, tune in. It's the ninth annual D3Hoops.com Classic from Las Vegas at South Point Arena. It is well worth it. We've got a great cast of characters, per se, uh, wonderful teams. Ohio Northern is bringing both. That's become a little bit more of a fad for some teams. Uh, I remember there were a couple of Wisconsin schools that did it. Stevens Point came last year. Women are coming this year. But Ohio Northern is bringing both programs this year. Looking forward to that. Uh, Johns Hopkins out there for the very first time. Uh, men's basketball will be the program of question. We'll have Whitworth back, Linfield back. Linfield coming back, not the same program they were there last time. Last time they were there, they were not much of a program. This year, they're a much better program. That's the fun thing that we're going to get to, to check out, that, that change, per se, in how that all plays out. Carthage women are returning to the event. Looking forward to seeing them. Um, there's a lot of good teams getting out there, and there's a lot of good teams now more interested in it. Expecting good games, as we always do. We try and make the games as competitive as possible. Amherst will make a return visit from last year as well. They'll take on Westfield State, and they will take on Stevens Point. I don't know what to expect. Westfield State is a uh, system-type team. Uh, I don't expect Amherst to have many problems with that, but I'd be fascinated to see what is normally a methodical Amherst team taking on a high-tempo team in the Owls. I I'd be interested to see how that plays out. Um, not expecting an upset there, but I'm curious what Amherst decides to do. And then they got a different style against Shirley Egner and the Pointers the next game. But it's always fun to see GP Gramacki and see what attire. It sounds like they'll be bringing from our interview with GP earlier in the in the season. Uh, it sounds like they'll be bringing the same shirts they always bring. So Jay, looking forward to it myself. Thanks for tuning in, sir. Appreciate it uh, greatly. Uh, so let us know if you're tuned in and chatting with us. We want to hear from you. Uh, looks like not all of our accounts are connected, but so be it. Um, it is what it is. Uh, let's see here. Women's side of the top 25. All right, we're done. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, a lot of teams either idle or playing next week. Randolph-Macon did lose to Wartburg 77-58, then defeated Salisbury 53-42 uh, at a uh, tournament. 
it looks like maybe they're dealing with Williams, their center, not at 100%. She broke a, what, something like a 25-game double-double streak? She had gone 25 straight games as a, with a double-double and did not even get double-digit points or rebounds against Wartburg. And then I don't believe played against Salisbury. Uh, I don't. I haven't forgot to go back and look for a box score. Initially, box score wasn't available for the Wartburg game. Um, I don't know how many minutes she played. But Randolph-Macon taking their second loss. It's something we'll keep an eye on. Uh, they don't play until the other side of the new year. They get into conference play with Washington and Lee and Farum in two games. Texas-Dallas lost to Harden-Simmons, 67-66. Another one of those. I think Harden-Simmons is going to be pretty competitive to, to maybe make five or six women's teams to keep an eye out for. But Texas-Dallas probably didn't love that result. They'll play again today against McMurray. Then they're off for the Christmas. Then they take on Covenant and Barry after Christmas. Then they're off for the New Year. And remember, that upcoming uh, Thomas More trip to Texas includes Texas-Dallas and East Texas Baptist. Texas-Dallas will play the Saints on the 5th of January. That's coming up. We'll preview and talk a little bit more about that with Gordon coming up. Those receiving votes, here's the one that stood out to me. Muhlenberg, who remember, we just had Ron Roan on the show recently. Uh, they took care of, of uh, Moravian before the poll and were 9-0. Took on DeSales and DeSales smoked them, eighty-five forty-four. So you know, Muhlenberg did what it's done on offense, which is not score a lot. But then they gave up twice as much as they normally allow to DeSales. It doesn't get any easier for Muhlenberg though. They'll have both holidays off. They get back into the swing of things against 18th-ranked Gettysburg in conference play on January fifth. Uh, a lot of time to have to lick your wounds coming off that DeSales win. Talk more about that with Gordon Mann coming up as well. And Trinity, Texas, who was uh, 25th on somebody's poll, now 6-3. and three. They lost to Austin, as we mentioned. Austin coming up on the show, 61-52. They then beat Centenary of Louisiana, 77-44. They'll have Hendricks and Louisiana College coming up next week. And then they do uh, conference action against University of Dallas and Texas Lutheran coming up after the new year. So not a ton going on in the top 25, but just enough there to kind of wet our whistle, as it were. Daryl Duncan says, installing flooring in a house and listening to Dave. Does it get any better? Merry Christmas. Well, it would probably be better, Daryl, if you weren't having to put in the flooring. Uh, unless that's your job. Uh, if it's your job, then great. You're getting paid and you're doing work before Christmas. That's outstanding. But if it's your own house and you're having to put in flooring while listening to me, I, f I feel bad for you. And, and one could argue for either one of those cases. <laughs> um so, yeah, some interesting things going on. we got a few games here tonight and even tomorrow night, Thursday and Friday, to, to at least peek our heads in on. Not a lot because a lot of teams are pretty much taking it off for the holidays. And then we'll get back into the swing of things as early as the 27th. I don't think there's any games on the 26th, but I honestly haven't looked. Um, but we'll double-check that. By the way, another result that got messaged to me, this one's interesting. Occidental took on Pacific, I think. That was last night. It had to have been last night with the timing of this message. I just lose track of time of when games are played. Occidental defeated Pacific 112-40, and Zach Baines for Oxy set a school record with 50 points and 12 rebounds. That's insane, to say the least. But it reminds me, Whitworth put up 143 in their last game. We didn't even mention that one. I apologize because we skipped past it with that not being a loss. But Whitworth, the ninth-ranked team in the country, beat Concordia Chicago 143-95. Whitworth's at the D3Hoops.com Classic, and they've got two good games, Johns Hopkins and then Emory and Henry. Whitworth, Emory, and Henry's that solo game we've got on the 30th. Uh, Pat and I are going to have to find some plans. I don't know if Pat's tuning in, but maybe we do the Hoover Dam. 
Uh, it's not that far away. We could maybe drive there on a Sunday and, and enjoy that for a little bit before heading back for the games. Anyway, uh, Whitworth, that's pretty surprising, 143 school record there. I uh, don't know why they ended up with 143 points, uh, but sometimes it happens. Uh, defeated their opponent by nearly 50, but gave up 95. I mean, there's a hundred ways we could dive into that one and talk about whether it made any sense or not. Um, by the way, we didn't talk about this because it didn't uh, get on the air. Back to the women's top 25, and we'll talk a little bit about this with Gordon. Thomas Moore nearly did do what we predicted, and that was take over the number one slot over uh, Bowden. They didn't receive as many first-place votes, but what's jumping out at me about that, and it has for a few weeks, we just haven't talked about it, is the fact that uh, Bowden clearly is either a number one pick for people or they're nowhere close. Uh, and who knows where nowhere close is. But they got 14 first-place votes. Thomas Moore got nine, and yet Thomas Moore was just five points behind Bowden for the number one slot, which tells you that Bowden either has its number one votes or no one is voting for him extremely high, maybe five. Uh, St. Thomas, by the way, had the other two uh, first-place votes. They finished third. So Thomas Moore nearly, with beating Hope and dispatching Baldwin-Wallace and have been dominating really good teams, including Chicago, nearly jumped into number one in the top 25 despite not having all, you know, basically despite having five less first-place votes. They finished five points less. A couple of first-place votes go the other way. And this is a different ball game. Now, granted, it's a one-point difference between 25 and 24. Um, so Bowden may be picking up a few more. But what it basically tells me is Bowden, either you're number one or you're, you're not. You're, you're several slots down. You're not number two on many ballots. Uh, we'll keep an eye on that. I think that's fascinating that Thomas Moore, and we'll talk to Gordon later about it, can they take over the number one slot? And if they do, can they hold on to it despite not playing? All things that could be interesting. And Daryl says, yes, it's my job. Well, then I really appreciate it that on your job, you would take the time to listen to us, Daryl. I appreciate that more than uh, maybe you realize. Um, again, if you've got questions for us, tweet us at D3Hoops or hashtag Hoopsville. Email us Hoopsville at D3Hoops.com. Join us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Hoopsville. Our friend Justin Sweeney tuning in. Someday, sir, we'll be able to talk about your, uh, your, your employer. Tell your uh, tell your man to get on to get on his get on his job there a little bit, shall we? There we go. All right, we're gonna take a break. When we come back, we'll get into our interviews. We'll start with women's basketball. And we'll start with uh, Michelle Feilander from Austin. Talk to her about her ruse. By the way, one of the best mascots <laughs> in Division Three. Talk to her about the ruse. Talk to her about what else is going on and what they're doing uh, in Austin and. Just the landscape of Texas basketball now. Certainly a little bit, both in men's and women's, a little more competitive, a little more noticed. We'll talk to her about all of that. You're listening to Hoops Soul, presented by D3Hoops.com. From the WBCA and ABC studios, we'll be back with more Hoops Soul when we return. I did receive a non-athletic scholarship upon entering uh, school. I got the presidential scholarship, which was huge for me. I think there's more opportunities for academic scholarships in Division Three. I did receive academic scholarships. Just being involved on campus, being a leader, all those things combined kind of get me recognized. It's a great experience for me. My name is Marcus Walker. I was All-State, won a state championship, a high school All-American, and played college and pro ball. I played because I love the game. I grind to be the best. 
I sweat because I put in work. I'm strong because I believe. When I want to bring it before game time, I come to the house that college basketball built, the CBE. No matter your skill, take it to another level. Elevate your game right here at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint It's on us to stop sexual assault. In any way that we can. To get a friend home safe. To never blame the victim. It's on us. To stand up. To make our community safe for all. It's on us. It's on us. To look out for each other at parties. It's on us. To be more than just a bystander. To step up and say something. It's on us. All of us. To, to stop, stop sexual assault. Learn how and take the pledge at itsonus.org. We've got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division Three basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com. And welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody, on this Thursday afternoon special holiday edition as we uh, hope to help you get out of town here on uh, this Thursday before the holidays. If you've got questions for us, tweet us at D3Hoopsville, hashtag Hoopsville. Email us, Hoopsville at D3Hoops.com, or join us on Facebook. Facebook.com slash Hoopsville, where Justin Sweeney wished us, and I assume everybody else in Division Three land, a happy holidays. We wish it right back to him. Jay Cozen says, your friend Ronk now has a Scranton men's team number two behind only Duke. Yeah, no comment. Uh, Nathan Dennison, turning it on again in Fort Wayne. You keep up with the D3 Hoops information, 84 days to the semifinals there. You're right, Nathan, and we're looking forward to being in Fort Wayne coming up. Uh, let's see. There was something else that, that jumped out at me. Uh, Daryl says Whitworth is forced to play up tempo last night. He had 47 free throw attempts. Good game to watch. Yeah. I decided to do some holiday stuff with the family instead of watching games, uh, doing my best before they lose me in the months of January and February. All right. So let's talk about a team that's certainly playing well on the women's side. Nine and one. The ruse are off to this season after a 20 and six campaign, 13 and one in the SCAC last year. For a couple of years, we've been talking about Austin was helping change the landscape of the SCAC. Trinity, Texas was now having to deal with them. And now Trinity, Texas is dealt with them as Austin has taken over kind of the mantle, as it were, with a 61-52 win this season on top of the conference for now. Obviously, they play a double round robin. That game will be avenged, as it were. But Austin's in the top 25 for the first time this year, uh, or in program history, and for the second time this year at number 25. And the state of Texas basketball is changing. Figured before we go away for the holidays, we better talk with Austin because there's going to be plenty of Texas teams to talk about this season, and we got to find a way to parse it all out. So joining us on the Hoopsville Hotline is the head coach of the Ruse. It is Michelle Feinlein. Erin, coach, thanks for taking the time on this uh, pre-holiday uh, edition. Well, thank you so much for reaching out, and uh, we cer I certainly appreciate it. Absolutely. Thank you for taking the time. Um, again, big win over Texas, uh, Trinity, Texas, and University of Dallas, uh, though the second one far easier. Um, you guys are off to this Nothing's good easy. Well, touche, touche. <laughs> Uh, off to a solid start after been ranked already once you fell out after a loss to Millsaps, but you're back into the rankings, but it's getting a little, it's getting very interesting down there in Texas. Uh, I think in any other given year, this would stand out more. Uh, maybe it's not this year, but your take on how the season's gone so far in the first six weeks. 
you know, we've we've obviously worked for us specifically. We uh, we're off to our, I think our best start since I, I think our uh, I think they said ninety six, ninety seven, um, somewhere along those lines. And those were some really really great teams back in the day. So um, you know, so so obviously from just a pure win loss standpoint, things things really couldn't be going too much better for us, and uh, we're we're pretty happy with that. Um, but more importantly, um, you know, I've been I've been really happy with with our evolution. Um, I think that uh, we're doing some things early, um, as far as the way that we're coming through some adversity and some struggles as, as we get into some of these tight games. And and we've been really fortunate with the way that our non-conference schedule has worked out, um, and seeing some of some of these really good teams down here, and and as it's gotten more competitive, been able to to manage and navigate our way. Through, through what ended up being a really um, challenging beginning of the year. Yeah, I mean, you had nothing but basically Texas schools, Hendricks, Texas, Dallas, Millsaps, Rhodes, mm-hmm. Hardin-Simmons, Hendricks again, uh, Trinity, Texas, and University of Dallas. I know with scheduling and with location, it gets harder and harder to, to get outside Texas schools. Mm-hmm. You've got to be thrilled with at least getting the recognition considering you haven't been able to get out of the state. Yeah, you know, it's been something that um that you know, we've been craving for a while now mm-hmm. and just kind of been but but it's it's nice to kind of have that carrot on the stick too, um to keep after and 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 keep putting something out there as as this is what we're working for. This is what we want to get to. We want and and you do want to eventually have that work noticed. Um mm-hmm. but you've got to have the production to do it. So, we've been fortunate that we've been able to be on the good end on a, of a lot of those games so that that we could pro, you know, produce those results to uh to earn a little bit of that recognition. So, and it and it's like you said it's it's hotly competitive mm-hmm. <laughs> down here these days and uh so so to earn that recognition amongst what are some really really quality programs um this year is i think probably even a little bit uh a little bit more satisfying we'll talk about the state of the texas in in just a bit but the schedule if you may and and maybe looking further ahead and now for this season a bit is there hopes to diversify a little bit more and try and get out of the state or at least get opponents to come to you to some degree? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that there there always is. Um, sometimes it's just a timing issue, too, for me. It seems like every now and then we'll, we will get that phone call that says, hey, we're coming in town, we'd like to pick up a game. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it's just a matter of trying to get things worked out if you can because, um, you know, you always try to find two games on the road like that. So so now you're working with two schedules to make sure you have openings. And so it's some of it you get a little lucky. Sometimes you don't. Um, and then, you know, we, we, we'd like to travel when we can. I think, you know, last year we made that trip to St. Louis. Mm-hmm. So we try to do something every every couple of years. So we work within, yeah, we work within the parameters that we have, um, but we, you know, there's there's definitely some consistencies that we we know we're always going to get. You know, we're mm-hmm. always going to get with Memphis. We're always going to get with Jackson. We're always going to try to hit a couple of those ASC schools, um, and uh, and at least diversify within the region, even if we can't in in most years nationally. Sure, uh, I heard there's a great event in Vegas um, between mm-hmm. the holidays. Just saying, if you're looking, yeah. Uh, <laughs> every couple of years, there may there's openings next year. Just saying. Okay. Talk to my AD. <laughs> okay. Sounds good. We can work on that. Uh, send them my way. Um, okay. Considering you know teams coming into town, t- t- Thomas More is coming to Texas. Uh, they're mm-hmm. playing East Texas Baptist and Mary Harden Baylor. The way this season has started, are you glad maybe you aren't on their hit list? 
<laughs> I've been on it as an assistant, yes. and it's not a good place to be. <laughs> uh, yeah, you know, it just um, it it was one of those things where I, I don't even know that we were we were on the radar with that. Sure. Um, Based on when they were coming, and with our with our conference expanding and changing, um, we're playing conference games now earlier than we yeah. ever have. We, you know, this is the first time we've ever opened up before Christmas, um, and we'll continue to do that as we add a tenth team next year. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, yeah, it's uh, but uh, yeah, no, I've 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 lived that life, and uh, <laughs> it's it's interesting. <laughs> uh, yeah, very interesting. This year, more than any. Um, you talk about the conference expanding. That was where I was headed next. Uh, Johnson and Wales, Colorado, um, now in the mix. I don't think they're yet fully a vested member of D3 yet, but they're a fully vested member of the SCAC for the most part. Mm-hmm. You mentioned the 10th one coming along. It's interesting. I remember, I don't remember if, if you can remember, SCAC, you know, not so long ago was on the verge of going in the wrong direction, um, having lost members. And of course, they've mm-hmm. lost their football side of things. Now they're kind of growing again. Obviously, it's good. It gets you games. It gets you in conference. Though there's a bit more travel involved. How do you how do you kind of weigh it all now with what what is a growing SCAC conference? You know, it's um, you know it's good. It, the conference expanding to ten teams. Ten teams is kind of a nice little sweet spot for us. Um, because of you know that 18 then mm-hmm. conference schedule that's that's done and in the books and and so it it makes it a bit easier when we go about finding that non-conference schedule um, and we can get a little bit more um, I think creative with it now that that you know you've got your 18 but as far as the travel is concerned I, I mean that's always just been part of it mm-hmm. so you know you're just exchanging one four or five hour trip for another one. Um, <laughs> And so, it, you know, it's funny that Thomas Moore trip back when I was in the President's Athletic Conference, it used to be the one where we were like, oh, we're going down overnight. It's four hours. <laughs> and then uh, with the transition down here to these to this Texas League and, and the SCAC, a four-hour trip now is, awesome. is an easy day trip for us. We're like, yeah, it's only four hours. We're, yeah. we're, it's going to be a quick one. So, yeah, we don't have to um, pack a meal this time. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So it's something that uh, that we're very, very used to, and uh, it, it's just the way we do things down here. Let's talk about why your team's so good so far this season, uh, led by two seniors out of a group of four, at mm-hmm. least on the statistics sheet. You started the same five every single game and played, uh, what does it look like, eight players consistently in every game. And it starts with Bryce Frank, no surprise. Mm-hmm. The senior leading the team at 18 points a game. She's got 10 rebounds a game on top of that for the double-double uh, one and a half assists over a block a game, two assists a game, and then Ann Savage in there as well, eleven and a half points a game herself. Uh, uh, Casey West, a sophomore, at eleven and a half points herself. But it's that duo of Frank and Savage that I've noticed the Ruse have kind of been um, leaning on for the last few years, and, and currently continue to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Bryce and Ann um, carry the consistency load for us. Uh, you know, we, you pretty much know, you know, going into a game from a production standpoint, what you're going to get out of them. It's it's not it, it's it's not often that that we don't see something coming from those two two positions, and it, and it creates a nice balance, um, you know, with with the perimeter and, and our post game. But um, it, it's it's confidence inspiring to know that that you you are going to get a certain level of consistency, and then allow our our younger players to kind of fill in the gaps. Mm-hmm. And find themselves, and and keep working to assert themselves in their roles, and find the ways that that they're going to score, and that they're going to affect the game defensively, or or, or whatever the case may be. So it, um, I think them being the consistent players that they are.
are for the most part has is really what's driving even our evolution as as a whole team sure. um and and even in, in their consistency they um it, it's 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 quite astonishing to watch um because they they allow for everyone to develop around them hmm. it it's not so rigid in the way that they approach the game um that it doesn't allow for growth around them and um i think that's the biggest thing about both of them in their games is how they allow the other the other players around them to to assert themselves at times and and to get better and and to change us and 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 do things a little bit differently that i think at the end of the day uh, hopefully will make us um you know, get us to where we want to be ultimately. Savage also leads the team in assists per game, almost five a game, and has a ridiculous assist-to-turnover ratio of 4.5 to 1. <laughs> in other yeah. words, she's not giving up the ball. But that's what you need in a player like her. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Ann Savage, I, I joke all the time that Ann, I get to coach, it's like coaching a 30-year-old out on the floor. Mm. Um, if, if there was, if, it's probably the closest I'm ever going to get to kind of a <laughs> professional kind of um, uh, situation just in just in her in her maturity she's mm-hmm. such a um a sophisticated player um in 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 the way that she approaches the game mentally she has such a high level of maturity such a high level of mental toughness about her um that that she 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 spoils me rotten uh, and um you know so we're yeah she uh it she's quite something especially it we she hasn't even gotten to 100 turnovers in her career yet. Oh my lord! Really, as a senior? <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's insane. As yeah, a ball, well, as now, the ball yeah, handler. She, yeah, I might be letting the cat out of the bag, but she's still got one more year to give us. Oh my um, lord! She, yeah, because she she uh, yeah, she, she missed her freshman year with an injury. Yeah. So. Wow. <laughs> so that's in about you know three two and a half years really of of basketball. That's pretty impressive. Mm-hmm. Um. I do want to ask you about depth, though, because we mentioned you start the top five, your, your same five, Frank Savage. Mm-hmm. We should also mention Walling Collins and, and, and Longager, two sophomores and a senior in Collins. You also play consistently. Um, three more players for sure. Uh, you get two more in there sometimes. So three to five may come off the bench on most nights. But that's about it. After mm-hmm. that, it's a steep drop off on, on who you play. And you've had some games that have been well in hand. Mm-hmm. Is depth a concern, especially as this season drags on? No, I don't. I don't think so. I mean, I think I think that our rotation is even probably a bit more expanded than than most. You see, you okay. know, some of and I spend a lot of time uh, poring over that. You know, looking at you know who are the top teams in the country and and what are their rotations and and how many kids are they playing and what yeah. does that look like? And uh, I'm always interested to see how other programs, particularly other programs that are achieving at high levels are getting things done. And, and I think it's just a philosophical thing mm-hmm. uh, from program to program. But, um, you know, I'm happy when we can get to 10. I'm very happy when we can get to 10. Um, so, you know, so I don't worry. And we have a lot of versatility, too, in the way that we can exchange players and, okay. and positions. And and that's something that we're evolving on, too. Um, we're starting to find ways to even um, to get um, – you know, Allie Longacre in the post a little bit more and, and give Bryce some time to, uh, to get on the bench and get some water and get off her legs for a little bit. So <laughs> Good. Um, we're expanding out a little bit more even, and, and that's kind of exciting for us to, uh, to see that happen as, as we go. So, no, it's not something that, um, that concerns me. Um, it's, it's, 
I think that our bench still has more to give. I think it's it's exciting to be able to bring double figures off the mm-hmm. bench, um, and and also know that we're we're really close to having four perimeter players average in double figures. Yeah, that was the other thing is you got three players in double figures. You got two more at seven and plus eight mm-hmm. points a game. Yeah, I mean, I don't want to knock the depth. I was just curious about it because usually mm-hmm. I see it is you got you know a core group that play in nearly every game. Then you got a handful who play in let's say half to three quarters. And then you got that group that just gets in to, to pick up scrub time. You don't have that mm-hmm. middle one. You've got that core group of about eight to ten players who play in nearly every game. And then there's the scrub group that plays one or two games. There's no middle ground there. That's what, that, what jumped out at me yeah. uh, when yeah. looking at it, and especially minutes-wise uh, as well. What is the goal now? You've got a, you've got a game against Mary Hart and Baylor nationally mm-hmm. ranked as well that's going to be mm-hmm. huge coming up next week. Mm-hmm. You then dive into conference play. How do you manage things? How do you keep people fresh? And especially going to that Mary Harden game, how do you get everybody to shake off the Christmas rust? Yeah. Well, again, I think that's what I'm, that's where I get um, – I derive a lot of confidence from, from the team when we go into these Christmas breaks now, bringing back the experience and um, and – the, the upperclassmen, they've been through Christmas breaks before. We've had big games right after Christmas before. And and so I don't often worry about what they're often doing. Um, so I know that uh, when we get back, we'll we'll refocus and, and they'll use their time, you know, to, to get healthy, to get fresh, to, to relax a little bit, um, but also, you know, go out and, and – and hope, if they're listening to me, doing a little cardio <laughs> and, uh, you know, staying, staying in shape, doing what they got to do. And I don't worry too much about that. And then when we get back, um, you know, just getting back after it and uh, looking forward to to hopefully what is going to be a great game with Mary Hart and Baylor. Um, you know, they've obviously done some really impressive things mm-hmm. so far this year. And uh, we're excited to uh, to get down there and and. and lay it out there and see what happens. Um, but then more importantly, I think, you know, just getting into into that conference play. Mm-hmm. We've been waiting for a while now to dig back into conference. And uh, I, I know that's what's motivating this group. Um, and then it, and then once we do that, it's really about putting the blinders on. Sure. And, and getting very micro-focused on on one game at a time, one moment at a time, what's, what's just in front of our face. Mm-hmm. And uh, and staying and, and that's been a theme for us this year is is staying very focused in the moment, being very intentional in the moment, and thinking only in terms of moment to moment. Not that we don't have goals and not that we don't have plans, mm-hmm. but as it comes to to fulfilling those, and then it does become about being incredibly uh, fixated on on the process and, and the moment sure. at hand. Um, by the way, Coach, I think you've run out of room um, title-wise. They might need to create some more space. <laughs> Head women's basketball coach, senior women's administrator, assistant athletics director. Um, anything else we're forgetting? Floor oh, mopper, God. laundry uh, person? Mother of an eight-month-old there we keeping go. me up all night. There we, yeah, how are you balancing that? I mean, it's hard <laughs> enough for us regular non-coach folk to, to deal with children, uh, especially eight-month-olds. How are you dealing with it in the middle of the season? I, you know, I have um, a great support system. So it's it's two different things. It's it's a support system just from a family perspective. My my husband is a coach here as well, so mm-hmm. he gets it. He understands the life. We juggle things quite quite crazy at times. Um, some family, you know, down in the Texas area helping us out this year has been been huge. But but our Austin College family too. You know, from from our athletic director to um, you know to uh, the, um, our our president's wife is is a volunteer assistant for my husband. So oh. 
we it's uh, we pitch in all over the place, and uh, so we're very we're very fortunate and grateful to be in a family oriented environment here. And uh, you know, my little girl can sit on the bench, and and we just kind of do what we got to do to make it all work. I can't wait for the timeout to be called because she's on the bench and it starts crying. Hey, I, I need to take care of this. Hold on, <laughs> and <laughs> yes, and then like it, yeah. everybody come over to check it out. Yeah, we, we had to have a conversation. If you've never had a conversation with a six year old about bench decorum, you should. <laughs> <laughs> um, I've had one about table decorum. Uh, I have a six-year-old daughter and a nine-year-old son, and I have to keep reminding them that they can't bother daddy whenever they want to bother daddy. Yeah, uh, yeah, we've we've done bench decorum that that when yeah. you're on the bench, you're on the team, and and I'm not mama, I'm coach. Yeah, and, yeah, so. yeah. We've had the same <laughs> uh, different roles. Uh, Professor Briggs, when he saw he you were on the show, said very happy for Michelle. I've known her long time as her coaching career in the pack. Uh, starting the same way my SID tenure began. Good, good to see hardworking people reap rewards. So that's a shout out from Twitter um, oh, to you. Kind. And Coach, I appreciate you taking that time, especially this holiday, and thank the kids for letting us have your time as well. Um, we always give the coach the final word. Any final thoughts you'd like to share with those tuning in? Uh, just, I want to say, you know, thanks to you and and to all you do at D three Hoops. Uh, just for us, you know, uh, programmatically across the country, we're we're so thankful to have an outlet and to have um, somebody shining the spotlight on these student athletes. They are the purest of the pure in so many ways, um, and and I think what these what these kids do is and what they can commit to, particularly the ones that that commit to four-year experiences and um, that are willing to put the work in and and do the things necessary to make their team successful and to have successful, um, really balanced Division three experiences. I just I can't say enough about it. And to have an opportunity to, to talk about it where people can hear and listen, mm. um, it, it's so important. I mean, it's 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 just what we're doing and it's why we all do it and why we're so committed to it is is the student athlete and and what uh they get to experience and, and what they go on to become well you nailed it on the head there why do we do it is because of student athletes so perfectly said coach thank you so much happy holidays safe travels wherever you're going good luck as the season gets back up and running and we'll uh look forward to talking about the ruse and talking to you somewhere down the road Thank you so much. Absolutely. Michelle Feilander joining us here on the Hoopsville Hotline. Appreciate her taking the time. Again, the Roos are 9-1. and one. Get a little bit of a break here, 10 days between games, though they're obviously uh, just getting early off on that. Mary Harden-Baylor up on the 29th in non-conference play. Of course, nationally ranked Mary Harden-Baylor. That will be a great one. Tune into that one if you're not watching the D3Hoops.com Classic. Then back into conference play with Johnson & Wales, which technically is and isn't a conference game, whatever. And then Colorado College on the 5th. So, Watch out for the ruse. Be fun to watch them the rest of the way. When we come back, we'll continue the women's basketball theme. Gordon Mann joins us in a pre-taped interview, talk about what he's seen in the first six weeks, and to discuss who he would buy and sell of a collection of women's basketball teams that we throw his way. And, yeah, you can probably guess this as we're halfway through the show. Uh, it looks like our Wirecast has once again failed us. We're not doing anything different. We literally have a program that doesn't like us. Hopefully, by the time we're back on the air in January, we will have replaced this program. So we're going to take a break, and when we come back, we'll get you that Gordon Mann interview. I promise. Welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody. Sorry about that. Once again, technical difficulties. We'll continue to work on those in the uh, break that we have upcoming, and we will uh, hopefully be transitioning to new software. In the meantime, it may delay us from doing a Thursday show as we planned when we start back in the season. We'll probably get back and running on January 6th. I know that's a long break, but that's kind of why we also did the show here on the 20th. 
We're just going to have to transition to some new software. No matter what the Band-Aids we put on things, it just doesn't like us. In the meantime, uh, we're back up and running both on Facebook, YouTube, and what. We'll get that all fixed in the meantime if you're missing us. But we hope you uh, at least are enjoying the show. If you're watching On Demand, enjoying this part. Gordon Mann joined me yesterday to talk about the first six weeks of the Division Three season in women's basketball. It's a two-part interview. We'll take a break in between. But the first part, Gordon discusses what he's seen so far. And as always, I appreciated the time he took to join us to chat about it. Here's Gordon in a pre-recorded interview. So joining us on the Hoopsville Hotline, it is our friend, Gordon Mann. Sir, welcome back to the show. Thank you very much for having me, Dave. I appreciate it. As always, should tell everybody, uh, it is pre-taped due to the fact that Gordon is a busy man. Okay, folks? Uh, leave him alone. <laughs> uh, so first and foremost, first six weeks of this season, I... Liz, I don't want to say that I've ever overlooked women's basketball because that's not true. But there has certainly been times where you can look past it because there's not much going on or or the right. results are kind of known. That hasn't necessarily been the tr the case this first six weeks. There's, there's been kind of some excitement out there. Yeah, that's true. Uh, I, the, the women's uh, Division three basketball season gets off to – kind of a slow start, uh, depending on what region you're in. Mm -hmm. So the, the teams in the West and in the South and in the Central and in the Great Lakes, so those, those parts of the country where there's not a high concentration of teams, this is their chance to get crossover games. You know, they're in conferences that are fairly large. Um, you know, some of these teams have, have already or will soon play their last non-conference game. So you do get some interesting results out of them, but the teams in the Northeast, the, the kind of the Northeastern quadrant of the country, they tend to stay pretty local during the first six weeks or so. Some of them, the NESCAC teams, can't get a start right away, and, and they're always uh, among the better teams in the country. And so it is usually a, a slow start for that, for that uh, time of year, and then you, you get more interesting results, generally starting with the, um, with the holiday tournaments. Sure. Uh, over the ones that have just started this week and then through New Year's and then you roll into conference play. Uh, but this year, two things in, in particular have, have made the early part of the season uh, unusual. The first is, uh, for the first time in a long time, the team that was ranked number one in the preseason, Amherst, lost mm -hmm. a game. Uh, well, first off, first time they've lost a game in three years, but first <laughs> time a, a team that was ranked preseason number one lost one this early. Uh, yeah. Generally speaking, um, last year, Tufts was number one. They lost their first game on December 20-something to Albright. Um, right. The year before that, uh, I think it was Tufts again, and I, I think they lost their first game in conference play at Amherst. So yeah. uh, generally, you don't have your number one team lose, which means the votes that are concentrated in that team sort of stay there for you know kind of weeks on end. Uh, and with Amherst losing... Uh, and Amherst having 21 of the 25 <laughs> votes in the preseason, um, that you know, kind of forced the the voters and the national perspective to look at what other teams may be the best team in the country. And so um, Bowden moves into the slot. Uh, Hope got some votes. St. Thomas got some votes. Chicago got some votes. Thomas Moore got some votes. But it doesn't feel like you know Amherst is this unbeatable juggernaut. And they may they may very well win the national championship. That may be what happens, but. Through the first six weeks, it doesn't seem like, you know, destiny or, or fait accompli that that's going to happen. Yeah. So that's the first thing. The second thing that happened is Thomas Moore, because of its unique status, basically is an independent. They're members yeah. of the ACAA, but that's a conference that only has, 
a handful of conference tournament games at the end of the season, primarily based in upstate New York and New England. So Thomas Moore, as much as they're going to travel, is not going to play games up there. Um, so Thomas Moore has basically been forced to play the majority of their season in the first eight weeks of the year, because once you get into conference play, there's not going to be any division three opponents around them in the Cincinnati, you know, within any kind of reasonable driving distance of Cincinnati who have time on their schedule to play them. Mm -hmm. So uh, they have taken a very, very aggressive uh, tact here. They've played a bunch of top 25 teams every weekend. They, they seem to play another, they Mm -hmm. had, something like five games, six games in five states and seven days or something, oh, yeah. you know, something that would make an NBA team blush. <laughs> um, you know, they played, they played Chicago. They played Whitewater, which was ranked. They played uh, Whitman, who's received votes. Mm-hmm. They played Hope. They played Baldwin Wallace. Um, they'll play, they're likely to play DePaul because they're at that event. They're likely to play uh, Mary Harden Baylor and East Texas Baptist. Um, but because they're concentrating all their games and more importantly, because they're winning them all convincingly yeah. by like double digit margins, uh, they've created a lot of exciting and interesting results in the first, uh, in the first six weeks. It seems like every, you know, fifth or sixth day, Thomas Moore is playing <laughs> another ranked team in their gym and beating them convincingly. So um, that's given us a lot more, uh, a lot more interesting games to watch in the first few weeks than we normally would have. The other thing, we'll continue on the Thomas More theme, is uh, you've hit on the fact that, one, they're on the road and they're winning convincingly. But what was the note you sent me last week? Something about the top 25 suffered two losses. Both were because of the hands of Thomas More. Um, yeah. You know, you, you, we're used to not a lot of losses, but the fact that they were both right. a top you know, five team that decided to dispatch the other ones was was startling. Yeah, yeah. They uh, Thomas More has played... Uh, to Jeff Hand's credit, there has played a, a a really difficult schedule. I know you talked with, with Madison Temple about that, and, and Ryan Scott covered that and around the nation. And for folks who've been visiting the website, we may seem a little bit like you know d3thomasmore.com for the first six weeks here. Uh, you know, I've, I looked at the front page, and I think Madison Temple was, the, was at her photo on three of the seven top stories. Yeah, uh, you know, it, it, we're not we're not unaware of that. Uh, the the quote unquote good news, at least for the rest of Division Three, not for Thomas Morris, <laughs> they play three game they play three games against Division Three yeah. opponents in like the last ten weeks of the season. Yeah. So unless they lose to you know Geneva or Westminster of Pennsylvania, you're not going to hear anything about them. Almost until the NCAA tournament. Yeah, they're th- uh, and the challenge for them is they're not going to play anyone. Yeah. Uh, that and and no offense to, you know, whichever teams end up being the top other top three teams in the ACAA, they're not going to play anyone who gets them no. ready for the NCAA tournament. Probably their last game of against a quality opponent will probably be those last two in Texas. Yeah, and then that will be it. They'll play down in Texas against. Uh... Texas Dallas and East Texas Baptist uh, with yeah. the la- the first full weekend of, of November or something like that, and then they right. play essentially five games. That's counting the uh, assuming two games in the conference tournament. Five games yep. between then and the end of February. Uh, yep. It's a little. I mean, and yes, it's unique. They've got to be in that situation. But Gordon, let's just say taking a what if, what if, and they nearly did it this week. What if they take over the number one slot? in the top 25, do you think they can, without playing a, basically any games, hold on to that number one slot? Or is it going to be hard to do that when everybody else is playing? 
I think I think that's probably the easiest way to do it is to get to the top of the rank <laughs> and then to stop and just playing. park yourself uh, <laughs> because the because the uh, right because you know as you mentioned they're going to play so they're going to play Wesleyan and Franklin who which are which will both be comfortable wins and they'll have DePaul at the end of December mm-hmm. um, a, a bunch of schools that are non Division three Pikeville V two I think Lindsey yeah. Wilson's and AIA. Then the two Texas games, and then nothing after the seventh. Yeah. So by the time we do our next poll, which will be January seventh, the, the the Mary Harden Baylor game won't actually count for that. They'll they'll only have three other games left. That's right. it. Um, and so you know, there's generally whatever there is, thirteen or fourteen weeks in the top twenty-five. They'll have nine, eight or nine of them without any games of, yeah. of note. So. Uh, meanwhile, the teams that you would expect to be the, the others that will be their closest competitors, you know, Bowden's going to play Amherst and Tufts, and right. if you believe Middlebury or Trinity's real, they're going to play them. Hope's going to play their arch rivals. They're going to play. They're going to play Trine twice. Uh, Chicago's going to play through the UAA schedule. Um, all of those teams are going to play, and unless they, unless Bowden runs the table, at which point I think you would have to say. All right, you know, you, they, you know, tip your cap to them. I don't know who else would have a chance to catch them. Um, it's pretty mm-hmm. rare that you see a top team not lose and lose votes, and that's what happened this week. I think appropriately so when when Thomas Moore just demolished Hope, mm-hmm. um, who was ahead of them in the polls. And there, not only did they pick up all of Hope's votes, but they also picked up some of Bowden's. And I think mm-hmm. the voters looked at the the thing and said, "All right." You know, Bowden right now, their best win is an eight or nine point win over a pretty good, but unranked and not on the ballot for most people, Mass Dartmouth team. Mm-hmm. And Thomas Moore has got 20 plus point victories over Chicago and Hope, who's in just about everybody's top 10. And, so, and oh, by the way, also Baldwin Wallace. and <laughs> Right, right. Depending on what you think, you know, right, and right. Whitewater and, and a bunch of other teams. And so, you know, if it's the first weekend of the season, you don't flip your vote, but you get to a point where you will. Now, again, if Bowden comes out and beats Amherst by 20 points and Tufts by 20 points, no, and, sure. you know, stomps all over, they could flip those. They could flip those votes back. Sure. But I think what's more likely to happen here is each of those teams will 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 take a loss somewhere along the way, and Thomas Moore will sort of take over the number one spot and then sit on it until the NCAA yeah. tournament. Uh, without continuing the D3ThomasMoore.com theme, but uh, one more before we let you go, I found your comments about the team fascinating because we do know about Madison Temple. I mean, she is darn good. She leads the cat in almost every single category for that team, and I literally mean almost every single category, including shooting percentages. Um, She is that good. She is that, um, 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 you know, to herself about it, too. She is not very braggadocious whatsoever. No. But it's it's something you commented to to us behind the scenes that caught me. I think more surprising. It's not just her show. It, there's because I made a comment. I said, "Listen, she may be the most impactful player for Thomas Moore, yeah. including Sydney Moss, in a yeah. single season um, because of the way she's playing." But you made a comment to that that really kind of really put things in perspective for me. Yeah, I, I think she, I think this team around Madison Temple is 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 better than the team that was around Sydney Moss mm-hmm. and uh, or the teams and that team had an All American point guard on it, mm-hmm. Abby Owings. Mm-hmm. But when I look at Thomas Moore now, they have uh, two good at, at least two. I mean, they may have more, but the ones that when I've watched their starters play, 
Uh, Shelby Rupp and Emily Schultz are both uh, talented, athletic, uh, mobile, uh, I'll call them big men, you know, forwards, mm-hmm. who uh, Emily plays center more and Shelby's more of a forward. But they can play around the rim. They can score around the rim. They can kind of score on their own. Uh, Emily a little more than Shelby can. Uh, they're defensively daunting. They're tall. Hope spent most of its game against Thomas Moore flinging up threes from 25 feet out. And mm-hmm. I think that's because even though Hope has some good forwards, just the physical, you know, the physical build of those forwards isn't the same. And then what really makes Thomas Moore even more dangerous is you've got uh, Kayla Sena and Brianna McNutt on the outside who are shooting 50 and 40 percent, mm-hmm. respectively and take a lot of threes. So they're shooting a high percentage from behind the arc. And so what that means is you have Temple, who's the point guard, and you really can't sag off of the other players and and help against her, which Mm -hmm. is a lot of what Amherst did. Amherst, last year when they beat Thomas Mm -hmm. Moore, they had the length and and the size at the point guard position where they were pretty much able to just take Abby Owings out of the game and say, okay, Madison, go beat us, and it's going to be you know one-on-three or one-on-two-and-a-half every game. And now – if you help off of any of those other players, you're going to leave somebody wide open for, mm-hmm. for, for a shot they're probably going to make. And so, uh, you know, that, that, that makes Thomas Moore a lot harder to beat, I think, this year than last year. And, you know, last year they obviously didn't lose many games. Man, that's, that's just impressive. Um, uh, and the sicker part is could they imagine they could win the national championship in their final season in Division Three, yeah. which is yep. just insane. Um Anything else jump out at you about the first six weeks? Uh, you know, I think we've had uh, we've had an unusual number of teams from the South region mm-hmm. that have been ranked, and I think appropriately so. But uh, three from the American Southwest Conference, uh, one from the Old Dominion Athletic Conference. It's kind of rotated between Emory and Henry and Randolph Macon. Mm-hmm. Austin has been in the top twenty-five. Yeah. Uh, you know, so I, I that's unusual. Uh, I, I think I think I, I've made an effort watch more of those games this year um, because those conferences, particularly the, the ASC, the Texas conference, it's so insular because they, they, you know, we can't get to other schools, which isn't their, isn't their fault. Right. And then play so many conference games of their own. that when you look at, you know, Mary Harden Baylor beats Texas Tyler, who beats Texas Dallas, who beats Harden Simmons, who beats Mary Harden Baylor, <laughs> you, you know, you look at it and you go, all right, I don't, I don't I don't really know what to make of any of those teams. Maybe they're all good. Maybe they're all mediocre. I have no idea. Yeah. But I've made more of an effort to actually just watch them play. Uh, and for the most part, they all look like, uh, you know, at least Mary Harden Baylor and East Texas Baptist. Um, and I even, you know, liked what I saw of a little bit of Texas Tyler when I watched them play. They all have good athletes. They all have good height at the point guard or at the guard positions. Uh, they can all, uh, most of them, can shoot the threes to some uh, to some extent, and they all had to have some sort of plan of attack for getting forwards open down low. Um, they're not all very good defensively, I would mm. say. Um, yeah, some of them seem to play at least. Maybe it's just because they're playing each other or or individual matchups, but um, some of them play a very kind of lax two-three zone defense, mm. which which. You know, while leaving open shots for people kind of all over the place, um, but offensively and athletically, they're very talented. And and so I think that's you know, if someone's been watching the poll for a while and starts to see these concentration of Texas teams. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think you know, I think those teams for the most part are appropriately ranked. 
Yeah, it's fascinating. Uh, obviously, Austin on the show today, but it's fascinating to see how um, that has developed. And you know, Trinity, yeah. Texas, by the way, we haven't even mentioned them, and and they're it's they're they're not as good. But we're also talking at a pretty high level here. You know, they're right. still pretty darn competitive and going to be in this conversation on top of all the ones you already mentioned. Right. Um, yep. Yeah, fascinating down there in the south. And then add in the south region's going to be crazy because you get add in on top of that the, the ODAC, as you mentioned. And, you know, south right. region's going to be fun to watch this year. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, we'll, uh, I look forward to some of these some of these tournament results. Look forward mm-hmm. to seeing how. You know, Mary Harden Baylor and Thomas Moore play, or you know, Warburg played Randolph Macon yesterday. Seeing some of these, some of these crossover matchups will help yeah. us out a little bit in terms of um, assessing the teams outside of their own region. Absolutely. So that was Gordon Mann's take of the first six weeks of the season. So, what programs is he buying or selling? We'll talk to him about that when we come back. You're listening to Hoops Hope presented by D3 Hoops. <laughs> Wirecast just froze on me again. I'm telling you, folks, we can't win. We absolutely cannot win with this software. We are doing things so painfully slow to keep this from happening, and it is not loving us in any iota whatsoever. So when we get back to the machine, we will get back to Gordon's second half. I apologize for all the breakup. I wish I could do more. I can't. It doesn't like us. So we'll take a break. When we get the system back up and running, I promise you Gordon Mann's second half. So before we were rudely interrupted once again by wireless, Telestream's program that doesn't want to work anymore, um, Gordon was talking about the teams that he liked in Division Three from the first six weeks, what he had seen in women's basketball in the first six weeks. We wanted to learn more about what Gordon thought. We wanted to t- take a page out of what we did with Bob Quillman and Ryan Scott, do a little buy and sell. Well, who does I, Gordon truly like? What is his thoughts on the rest of the season and all of that jazz? We got a chance to continue our conversation with the man about that and buy and sell and see what his takes were. Again, pre-recorded interview, and here's what he had to say about all of that. Let's do a little buy and sell, if you don't mind. It's something we've kind of done with uh, Ryan and and Bob a little bit and thought I'd get your opinions on some. I'll I'll try and dabble in some of my opinions on these. They're they're a little bit more difficult for me, but uh, I'll do my best. But uh, we'll get your opinion mainly on these, and uh, they're in no particular order. I got them from a source who certainly knows Division III basketball pretty darn well themselves. Um, the only reason I don't reveal the sources so that no one thinks there's some you know biased angle or some craziness, you know, who knows? And and they're surprised for Gordon. Gordon doesn't know these are coming, so no. the, that makes well, it more fun. He can't he can't dive first, into his the excuses. The first one is Goucher, and the second one is McDaniel. I'll start again. <laughs> I promise you two things, sir: Goucher and McDaniel are not on the list. <laughs> right. Okay. Um, all right, so we'll start with the first one: Manhattanville, off to a nine and zero start. Best start in program history, certainly playing well. Are you going to buy that they're going to be able to keep this going the rest of the season or sell that, hey, nice start, but this is going to fizzle? Yeah, I'm, I'm a sell on them. I, I, I watch them in person. Um, Sarah Kutu is their point guard. Mm-hmm. They've got a, a, a Ford, uh, uh, I think Kayla McGuire, who are good, um, but they are partially a byproduct of, of the schedule they played. Um, you know, at one point they had played six games and the six teams they beat had a combined total of six wins. Yeah. And three of those teams had zero wins. And some of those teams are among the weakest programs in the country. Um, 
I will know Manhattanville will know whether they're for real or really come down for two games for them uh, when they play DeSales, because uh, I do think DeSales is for real. Um, if Manhattanville is real, they will, uh, they'll, they should split. Uh, Manhattanville is a tough place to play. Uh, that's always been the case. Um, but I, I don't think that, uh, I don't, I don't think they really have a national profile to start their start. Okay. Um, you kind of hinted at it. We'll go to DeSales next, eight and two. They lost to Sage, but they yep. have absolutely destroyed other teams, including the other night against Muhlenberg. Yeah, I'm, I, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a buy on DeSales. Uh, I think they probably get into the top five uh, or top 25 here at some point. Uh, they have a real interesting game coming up against, uh, I, I'll presume they will, against Trinity of Connecticut, assuming the, both of those yeah. teams win when they're in, uh, in Lehman's uh, tournament. Uh, and DeSales played uh, Scranton very, very closely. Uh, mm-hmm. Scranton um, uh, in, the, in the top ten and obviously a, a well-respected program. I wasn't stunned to see DeSales lose to Sage. It's a well-coached team with mm-hmm. Allison Coleman that's always played Good teams, even in the tournament, very tough. Um, but the way DeSales has, has kind of blitzed uh, Moravian, and last week they beat Muhlenberg by 41 points. Um, Kings, who's probably got a shot to make the, the conference tournament, they beat them by 41 points. They beat Florham by 21 points. Yeah, they're, and they're, I think once they get through that, um, uh, once they get through those two games, they'll play Platteville. And then they'll play likely Trinity again, unless Trinity loses to Lehman. Um, they will uh, uh, once they get into conference play. I don't see a whole lot of losses on that schedule. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think they could be the best team in the Atlantic region, uh, partially because it's a little bit of a down year for mm-hmm. the NJAC, which is the other major conference in that region. But partially because I just think they're that good. Yeah. I think they'll be. I think they'll be a top twenty-five team, um, and that's a team that again, if they. Uh, once they get into conference play, they shouldn't lose a lot of games. You could see them rise, and you could even see them in the top fifteen before the year's wow. over. Yeah, they, their results have certainly stood out to me. Uh, I, I'm willing to buy into them too, um, especially with that result against Muhlenberg, which gets me to my next one. I'll go in commonalities here, which is unintentional. Uh, Muhlenberg nine and one start. Obviously, just took their first loss in a big way. Uh, are you buying that, that Ron Roan can keep this team kind of going along at such a, a clip? Now, granted, this was the first time they gave up some significant points, but or are you selling that this is, again, as you said with Manhattanville, a byproduct of the schedule? Uh, I would say probably a, a, a slight sell here. You know, if, if they, uh, they, they're they 5-0 in conference. Um, their wins are over Dickinson, Bryn Mawr, Washington College, Haverford, and Swarthmore. And of those five teams... Really, only Haverford is 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 a is a conference uh, player. Um, but that said, they went to Haverford. They beat them by nine. Which you know, when you play Haverford, you got to kind of multiply everything by two because their scores are so low all the time. Yeah, I, I, I would not, I would not be surprised if Muhlenberg wins the conference. They have two games left with Gettysburg. That's the other really good team in that conference. Um, you know, they they're playing a very different style with a with much lower scoring this year. Mm-hmm. Um, than they have in the past. I would I would say a, a, a mild sell. I don't think they're going to finish. You know, if we project this out, uh, what would it be? Twenty two and three. Yeah. Um, but you know, eighteen and seven, nineteen and six, twenty and five. 
sure. I think that I think those are all possible. Okay. Uh, we'll break up the commonalities. We'll go to Carnegie Mellon, off to a tremendous start at eight and one in a UAA that outside of Chicago may be up for grabs. What do you What do you make of Carnegie Mellon? Well, uh, you know, for Carnegie Mellon, their lone loss was to Mount Union, and they only put up 32 points. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, they've got a bunch of wins over teams that, you know, are, are uh, not particularly strong programs, Finlandia, Waynesburg, uh, Pitt-Greensburg. Um, I, I, I think that's a sell. Uh, I mean, it's, this, this looks Carnegie women, uh, Carnegie Mellon women, look to me a lot like the New York University men usually do. Um, <laughs> wow. Where they come into the con- into non-conference play with a, you know, with a really good record and then, and then kind of the roof caves in. Mm-hmm. They, um, you know, that said, Sell is an, I don't think they're going to win the UAA and I would be surprised if they finish in the top three. Okay. But there's no question they're a better team than they were a year ago yeah. when they were 2-12 in conference. I don't think they'll go 2-12 in you know, I could see them being above 500 or so, which would, uh, you know, in the last 15 years has only happened once, uh, 2016. Um, but remember, they were um, they were 14 and 0 in 2017 in non-conference play, and then they went seven and seven in conference. So, mm. um, you know, the year before that, they were 13 and one, and then they went eight and six in conference, and those yeah. were the, with, with their better teams. So. Um, you know, I do think that conference is more open. I think it's kind of Chicago and dot dot dot. And I don't really know. Um, Rochester is, is in a re, kind of in a rebuilding mode. They have some good young players. Washu was disappointed out of the gate. You know, I don't know what we get from NYU. They're kind of a program in in, in coaching transition there. Um, Emory has been good. They're a little off the radar. If I had to pick another UAA team or another team to buy in that conference, it would probably be Emory. Mm. Um, but not not so long Carnegie Mellon at this point. Interesting. I'm going to do a little different here with the WIAC. Uh, we've got three teams that are 9-0 and in Oshkosh, Lacrosse, and Eau Claire. I mean, I'm Stout, sorry. Oshkosh, sure. Lacrosse, and Stout. Uh, we kind of know Oshkosh is pretty good. So my question is, are you willing to buy into Lacrosse or Stout, either of them, both of them, or are you selling both, et cetera? Yeah, so uh, Stout, I'm not a believer in. I, I have, uh, you know, I administer the, the top 25 poll. I put them on the ballot a couple of weeks ago to see if anybody would vote for them, and, and they, they didn't get any votes. Um, so Stout, no, but Lacrosse, yeah. I, lacrosse, uh, lacrosse has a 23 point win over Calvin, um, which is quality. Uh, they will we'll learn about them. They'll play at Chapman, which is a tough place to play. And then they'll play Redlands at Chapman. If they get through those two games, yeah, I, I'm 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 a believer that they, uh, you know, that they they could they are a team that could get some or could get could maybe even break in the top 25. They're gonna they're gonna open conference play with Stout and then Platteville and then Eau Claire's pretty good. And then they you know then they get into the real meat of things, Whitewater, Stevens Point, mm-hmm. Oshkosh, River Falls. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm a believer that uh, that River that Lacrosse is. Uh, uh, is legit uh, again. Stout, nah, not real, not not sold on them again. If I look okay. at their their schedule, best win for them, maybe an eight point win over Albion. So if you consider Albion and Calvin kind of equal programs, um, you know the, the difference in margin of victory yeah. is, is significant there. Okay, 
Um, Augsburg in the Mayak, off to a 9-2 and two start. Interestingly enough, a loss to lacrosse and just lost recently to Trinity, Texas. Um, pretty darn good for a program that was 12-12 and 12 last season, 15-11 and 11 the year before, and kind of been in that, you know, 500 or slightly above 500 for a number of years. Yeah. 9-2. You buying? Uh, I would say, uh... I would say if, if 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 the thing I'm being asked to buy is can they be a top four team in the Mayak? Sure, I would think if uh, if am I buying? Do they have any kind of national profile? I would say no. Okay. Uh, you know, St. Thomas is is still the best team in that conference. Bethel will be uh, pretty good. St. Benedict will be pretty good. Um, again, these are these are some teams they did beat. Now they have beaten Bethel by two, so that's a that's a nice win. Um, and so I would, I would, I, I would, I would not be surprised if they finished top four, but I still think that that conference is pretty much St. Thomas's to uh, uh, to lose. Uh, go a different direction with this one, Marymount. They're five and four. Um, you know, a lot of expectations coming into the season. Are you buying that this they can rebound from this, return to the national conversation per se? Or are you selling that maybe they've they've dug the hole and this season may be for a loss? I would say that this would this would be one of these were stocks. This would be one I would buy because it's probably at a pretty low selling point yeah. right now. Uh, you know, five and four. Um, they played basically identical games against Emory and Henry and Randolph Macon. They won one by one, lost one by two, lost to Vassar, who's you know okay. That's a respectable program. Uh, lost by sixteen to Stevenson and was not really even that close for no. most of that game. Um, and then just lost to Elizabethtown by 14. Um, I would, I, I think that's a, I think they have a chance to get it together. In fact, I, I think they still win that conference. Uh, the other two yeah. teams that are in that conference, um, that just on paper you would expect to be pretty good. It's pretty much the old, you know, the best teams from the top of the CSAC. Cabrini has gotten off to a really poor start, yeah. and you know, in Gwinnett Mercy, um, yeah. you know, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't make Gwinnett Mercy the favorite, so. Uh, Marymount has a game at Kane, which I would ex- I would expect them to win. They play Johns Hopkins, which that's probably a toss up. But then after that, they're going to get into conference play, and they're going to start with with Gwinnett Mercy at home. And I-, I don't see Marymount losing a lot of games to Immaculata, Marywood, right. Wesley. You know, I, I think they're going to um, they're they're eight and four now. I think they probably still even with the slow start. They still probably finish somewhere around eighteen and seven. You know, could even be higher than that. Sure. Makes sense. Uh, Eastern Connecticut six and two. They beat Amherst. You buying that this is maybe for real? Yeah, I like the I like the uh, uh, the Little East teams. Uh, you know, I, I like uh, I like Mass Dartmouth a lot. I'm probably I, I think I'm almost all of their top twenty five. <laughs> um, but I, I like Eastern Connecticut. I like. Uh, you know, I, I like the way they're, uh, the one forward there has played. Um, I, I think that in a year where Amherst is a little down, uh, maybe, at least so far what we've seen, um, Bowden, I don't really still know what to make of them. They look very they look very deep, but I, I find it hard to believe that you don't lose something when you lose the player of the year. I haven't watched Tufts yet, but I'm still – I don't know how they're scoring without <laughs> – you know, without yeah. Melissa Baptista there, I mean, you know, they run a very good offense. But at some point, you need individual stars to to kind of be able to step up, and maybe they maybe they have one, and just don't know it. But I think it's it's possible that the team that comes out of 
the Northeast region this year. Um, you know, it, I, I, w- I would expect at this point it'll be Bowdoin or Amherst, but I would not. It's not beyond the realm of comprehension that it could be one of the Little East teams or even St. Joseph's mm-hmm. and Maine. Um, and and in, in prior years, you just look at the conference records. And last year, the NESCAC beat everybody they played in the NCAA yeah. tournament including teams like Thomas Moore and Wartburg by laughable margins. Yeah. So, um, you know, I think, I think the gap between those top tier NESCAC teams and, and the little East and, and the St. Joe's of Maine, uh, I think that gap is much, much smaller this year. And I think in Eastern Connecticut or St. Joe's could beat, uh, an Amherst or a Bowden in the first or second or third or fourth round or whenever they play. Interesting. I got to do this one. Um, they're off to a six and one start. They lost to Eastern Connecticut Amherst. I'm worried. I, I think maybe this is a sell Gordon. I don't know. It feels like the wheels are coming <laughs> off the train here. This is a loss for GP Gromacki. I don't know. You worried? <laughs> no, nah, I still, I still have them. I, I would still, I still have, I still would have them as a buy. I think they're better than the seventh best team in the country. Um, you know, I, I, I at this point, uh, on my own ballot, I have them, Sure. I have them. Okay, I have them six. So I have them higher than okay, Scranton. Okay, good. Tough lower. I have hope lower. <laughs> the teams I have in front of them are Thomas Moore, Bowden, St. Thomas, Chicago, and George Fox in that order. And given some very close results, frequently for George Fox, I would probably even flip that one. Um, I, I think Amherst is still uh, one of the best teams in the country. I, I think they're gonna, um, you know, they're they're gonna be able to work out some of their kinks before they get into into. East region or into conference play has got basically an all American backcourt and, and Eck and Hannah Fox. Uh, you know, they've got both Gramacki's recruiting ability and Amherst as a college to sell. I think they will be, I think they will be very, very good. Um, you know, wouldn't have had them as the favorite over Bowdoin based on what I've seen in that conference so far, but I, uh, you know, I still think they're one of the best, Five yeah. or six teams in the country. Obviously, you just had to have a little fun with that one, considering how sure. uh, off the wall that that loss was and unexpected yeah. for so many. But uh, uh, I feel bad for Westfield State and Stevens Point because uh, uh, Amherst <laughs> has some time to mull things over from the start of the season before they yeah. uh, rear up their heads at the at the classic. Those in games Vegas. may not be as hope as we <laughs> close as we hope. Yeah, we, no, we, we put that together. <laughs> yeah, we had hoped that might be some good competition. Amherst might yeah. say otherwise, but. Hey, I appreciate you taking the time. Uh, that was sure. fun. I, I hope we can do it a few more times this season as well, get your my take pleasure. on things. Uh, I didn't dive into my buys and sells as much because I just enjoy listening to your take. Um, as always, we give uh, you the final word. Any final thoughts as we head into the break here uh, with uh, for D- Division Three fans who may be tuning in? Uh, well, thanks for listening. I hope you're uh, able to get whatever it is you're in line or in the car waiting for as you, you listen to the podcast. <laughs> uh, enjoy the weekend. Uh, uh, with your family, if you're uh, if you're a, a parent of a Division three athlete, enjoy the time with your uh, that athlete at home. And uh, you know, pretty soon after uh, after you put the, the jingle bells away, we'll uh, we'll be off and running with the with the bulk of the season. Yeah, very much so. It, it'll be it'll be here before we realize it. Uh, thanks for the time. Happy holidays and take care of yourself. We'll talk to you soon. All right, take care, Dave. Gordon Mann joining us on the Hoop So Hotline. Thank you to Gordon Mann for uh, participating with us, having a little fun with the buy and sell. We'll get him a few more times the rest of the season, as he always has good takes. Usually we have to pre-tape, unfortunately, just with his schedule, um, but fun to chat with him nonetheless. Also appreciate all of you dealing with our Wirecast issues. If you're watching on demand, I appreciate you working your way through the videos. 
If you listen to the podcast, you'll probably scratch your head going, sounds good to me. Yeah, that's because we edit that after the fact. Uh, if you've got questions for us, tweet us at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. Email us, hoopsville at D3Hoops.com. Because we're running behind, thanks to all the editing or problem, software problems, we are going to transition right into our next segment without a break. You could make an argument, most influential conference and commissioner in Division Three, especially in basketball, not for the bad ways, but for being a part of the conference, being a, I should say the division, being a part of the sport, and certainly finding a way to improve those elements, whether from afar or directly involved. In what we hope to be a little bit of a new segment here on, on Hoopsville, sporadically we're going to talk to conference commissioners, and we're going to start with one who's retiring at the end of the year because, you know, we're running out of time. So we're going to talk to Centennial Conference Commissioner Steve Ulrich. Now, the last time we talked to him was 2013, I believe. He was chair of the committee of the men's basketball committee. And and by all admissions, including mine, it may not have been the best interview I've ever conducted in my life. I was rather sleep deprived. Let's start that one out the gate. And Steve and I, we were doing our best, but we weren't doing very well. Long story short, Steve and I are still friends. He's not that far away, and we still enjoy chatting. And he joins us on the Skype hotline here for Hoops. Well, sir, thanks for taking the time. Dave, thank you very much. You're absolutely right. We were able to work our way past that. Um, you're right. It wasn't one of our stellar moments, but we've been able to move past that, move forward. And thanks for having me. I should point out, we now have you on camera. If we had had you on camera last time, we might have had an easier time of it uh, <laughs> just because you and I would have at least been able to see each other. Not that he can see each other. A little behind the scenes secret, folks. He's seeing a black screen right now, but we're going to work on that for the offseason or during the break as well. First and foremost, congratulations on your retirement. You have been the only commissioner, if I, if my memory is correct, of the Centennial Conference. And, of course, the Centennial Conference is about the only conference on the East Coast, besides maybe the NESCAC, that hasn't had any changes to it. That is correct. I was hired. Uh, I started in January 1993. It was the first full-time executive director, and I'll be wrapping up year number 26, no later than June 30th. Pretty impressive. And by the way, I'm wrong on the NESCAC. They added Hamilton. So they've even had some changes. So Centennial Conference is about the only time when I'm working on conference changes that I sit there going, well, it's not the Centennial. No, someone will ask me why. I said, because trust me, there's nobody going in. There's nobody going out, despite the fact that you know full well I think there should be. But that's another topic for another day. But what has, why has there been so much stability with this conference? Football aside, I know that one's a different beast because football is a different beast. But as a conference as a whole, why has there been so much stability with this group? It, uh, Dave, it's really such a quality group of institutions. We run the gamut from Johns Hopkins, a uh, world-class research university. We have Swarthmore, Haverford, Bryn Mawr in the Philly area. Uh, the Central Pennsylvania trio of Dickinson, Franklin, and Marshall, Gettysburg. You sprinkle in a Muhlenberger scientist, West um, McDaniel and Washington College. And it's, it's a geographically compact group that shares a lot of similar ideals. And I think that's really the important part when you look at a conference is you have to share something more than just what's the best way for us to uh, get our AQ and what's the best way to get as many at-large bids as possible. If that's your only goal, uh, I found that we find our athletic directors and our presidents are constantly squabbling over the best mm. way. Our group has pretty much come to grips with the fact that we want to find the best 
um, at large, uh, I'm sorry, best AQ candidate we possibly can, whatever our format's going to be. And the rest will take care of itself. And because of that, and because of the camaraderie with the presidents and the athletic directors, we've been able to stay very, very unified. And it's something that, as I close the books on, on my professional career, I'm going to be very proud of. You you talk a little bit, I think you meant no, best at large too, by the way, just for the record. I don't think that was a good Freudian slip. Um, you, you talk about trying to be the best conference possible and, and position yourselves in the best possible light. It doesn't come without challenges. Presidents change, ADs change, you get egos in the way, let's be honest. Um, how hard is it also to balance what's good for one, may not be good for another, but is really good in the grand scheme of things? I think what we find is when you work with institutions, and I'm going to start with the with the coach and athletic directors, in particular, we you have to understand in a conference office that everyone is going to be fighting for what's in their best interest. And as long as you're in the commissioner chair and you're okay with that and understand that they're going to fight for their own school, that's okay. You can, you're able to figure out what's best for Sinus and how we can make that work with what's best for Muhlenberg and what's Franklin and Marshall looking for, and then try to establish that common ground. How can we all how can we all work toward the common goal? I think all 43 Division Three commissioners will tell you our job is really like herding cats. Mm-hmm. We use that phrase all the time because it's difficult to get everybody pulling in the same direction. Mm-hmm. And we've been fortunate over the years to have some very, very good athletic administrators. We certainly have a, a great group uh, at the current time. Presidents change, but they've been very willing to listen to their athletic director, the person they put in charge of athletics. And that's allowed us to do some new and different things and just and head in the right direction. I think we've been very fortunate in that respect. I was surprised the information you sent me and information I've known over the years that you guys are the first with a conference website, the first with a SAC conference group, which really jumped out at me. Uh, you can have fun with the first Twitter account and some other things, but the fact that the website to promote the conference, the first with a SAC group from a conference point of view, I know the SAC has evolved over the years, but I was really surprised that, and, and it's no disrespect to Centennial, but I'm surprised other conferences hadn't thought of that first. That's a great point, David. When I got started, uh, we still had a combined Division Two, Division Three commissioner meeting, and there may have been there may have been ten to twelve in the room, hmm. maybe only four or five full time Division Three commissioners. So it wasn't so much for a lack of perhaps wanting to do it. It was for a lack of having someone in place to be able to move athletic administrators and presidents forward to say this would be a wonderful idea. Um, I've, I've joked over the years, my background is in, is in sports information. I was the SID at McDaniel, then Western Maryland, assistant at Cornell, director at Yale. And I think for me, I've always been a recovering SID in some respects. Aren't we all? So, and honestly, you're always a recovering SID, honest <laughs> with you. But so to get started, I remember when uh, a friend of mine here at Franklin Marshall, our host institution, I started learning about HTML, and I wanted to learn as well. We were able to put together the the bare uh, idea of what a website would be. And I remember when we grew that into the forerunners of D3Football.com and D3Hoops.com. Uh, with uh, with fiddling around, just trying to make sure we could we could make sure that 
those who were interested in Division Three were able to get that type of information. It grew into, wow, look, Division One is starting to uh, play around with this idea of bringing student athletes in and ask their opinion. This is a great idea. Why hasn't it been done? So we, we took it to our ADs, and, and they thought it was a wonderful idea. And we're very proud of the fact that we've been able to do that for, for over 20 years. And it's important to hear what your students have to say. Oftentimes, I think we lean on, well, this is what our coaches are saying. And I think sometimes you need to step away and mm-hmm. just ask the students, what's important to you? Your coach isn't listening right now. Your AD isn't listening right now. Tell us why this legislation is is important. Tell us why this legislation is flawed. How can we make our playoff system better? How can we make your student experience better? And I think that's the key with with the SAC group. Well, you and I have talked many times, and no disrespect to coaches, but they don't always have the best perspective on things. And student athletes, and it drives Division Three now, and to come full circle, Division One and Two now trying to replicate what Division Three has created in those SAC groups. Uh, not a ton of time. I, I, hopefully we can follow up with you on a future date, but I want to go through a bunch of things uh, that that you have done as, as an individual, as a commissioner, whatever the case may be, that have been so both influential but also maybe just guiding. Um, you know, We talk about the chairmanship on the men's basketball committee and being a member of that for four years. Uh, interesting enough with Terry Small, from the NJAC as well, you two were hip, hand-to-hand, hip-to-hip, pocket-to-pocket, whatever you want to call for those four years. Uh, you've also served on the on the men's golf committee. You've served on regional committees for football and women's golf. Um, you've been involved with in the D3 Commissioners Group, which is a huge group that I don't think people really appreciate. You guys helped kind of send a message to the ECAC by saying, okay, enough of these games, and we're going to create our own bowl series with the MAC. Um, though we won't talk about how that went this year uh, necessarily in three games, but you get my drift. Um, you, and then one other thing is you are always very instrumental in the, the, the NCAA levels of things, whether it's bringing bills or helping bring bills. It may be somebody else's idea, but you'll help craft it. Even ones, Steve, that, that aren't successful, and the one I think of was a cutback on scheduling by 10% across the board. I found it fascinating sitting in San Antonio watching that because while you and I didn't do a lot of talking that weekend, I was watching and gathering. You sensed, all right, this isn't going to work. How do we find a better resolution? And as a result, you got basically a committee formed to really dive into schedules and and practices and maybe it's not fully done, I don't think, but overhaul things. that's, That's not appreciated by people, and that's a lot of work. It is a lot of work. Unlike unlike Washington, where we have our, our tribes and our camps, uh, I, I think so highly of uh, the commissioners that I've worked with over the years and certainly our current group. And to be able to have that kind of give and take to get a sense of where the membership is, their membership is, uh, are we out there whipping and trying to count votes? Certainly. But we found ourselves in a situation where it wasn't going to pass the day, but maybe we could refer it. We could get an elite group to take a look at the idea of what's the proper number of games that our students should be playing. As you mentioned, you know, coaches will always want more, more, more. Athletic administrators have to balance the, the, the budgets that they're constrained with versus the wishes of their coaches. Oftentimes, we don't ask the students what they want, but the, the, the kids that are coming through today how many games do they play on a given weekend during a showcase camp or mm-hmm. when they're playing with their travel team? So we're trying to keep all those things moving forward 
And once again, David, just comes back to the same thing. What's best for the student? What is the student athlete experience? They have four, sometimes five years to really enjoy the not only the collegiate experience, but their sport, their classmates, their teammates. And we want to make sure that when they walk away, they didn't feel cheated. So it, it's important for us to all work together. And I feel very good in Division Three that we're able to do that for the betterment of the whole most of the occasions. You've also been a bit of a uh, guide, a mentor. Uh, pick your word. Go to the thesaurus. Three of your staff members have gone on to pretty significant roles. You've got Kim Wagner, who's now out in the Northwest Conference in a beautiful part of the country, I may add. Jessica Huntley just left um, last in the last year to, to start up the brand-new AEC. Uh, Megan Petruno is a, an a for, uh, associate AD at Muhlenberg. You certainly well, probably take a hit because you, you groom them so well to be in your office and run things. You have helped future leaders, as it were, interestingly enough, all women, which is great, take on this Division Three mantle. Is that a legacy you hope sticks with you for the future, and if people don't know about it? Dave, thanks. That's one of the things I'm very proud of. What we set out when we formed the conference to really do whatever we could to promote women leaders in athletics. We put together our Snell Schillingford Coaching Symposium, which encourages undergraduate women to get involved with coaching, to get involved with athletic administration. And we have a number of current head coaches in our conference that are not only graduates of our school, but graduates of the program. So with Kim, with, with, with Jessica, you know, to have that opportunity, and with Megan, to have that opportunity to give them a chance to let their skills shine, to learn a few of the things that some some folks maybe don't feel like sharing as commissioners. I feel that, uh, and and, and both, all three of those women have heard me say this, you don't really want to work with me for more than four years. Uh, <laughs> I, I, can, I can be very difficult after a while. And, and fortunately, they've, they've really made a name for themselves. You know, for Kim to pick up and move, she's from... Uh, Northeastern Pennsylvania, she picked up and moved to the Pacific Northwest and is doing wonderful things. Uh, and then you look at, at Jessica and starting a brand new conference, just like I did uh, mm -hmm. six years ago. And I'm, I can't tell you how proud I am of them. It's a, it's a wonderful feeling to see them be able to move on and um, know that I contribute maybe just a little bit. Sure. Circle back real quick on basketball, which obviously this show is about, but you and I have gotten to know each other better because of the sport of basketball. Though, folks, to be honest, we, we work with lacrosse, we work in soccer. There, there's a lot of things that Steve and I, football, that Steve and I cross paths with. But let's talk basketball. Um, you've had your influences on the on as a committee member. You've had your influences behind the scenes with the you know looking at schedules and stuff. What do you see as the future of Division Three basketball? Uh, or what do you see as the, even this year in Division Three? So, yeah, looking at, looking down the line, I think Division Three is going to have to come to grips with the 64 team tournament, uh, with the one to 7.5 ratio of uh, yeah. the number of sponsors versus how many teams get into the tournament. As Division Three continues to grow, we're maxing out at that, and there's going to be a push to perhaps enlarge the field. Will mm. it be 68? Will it be 72? Uh, you know, 10 years ago, when we put the 1 to 7.5 in place, it was, don't worry, we'll never get there. We'll worry about it. <laughs> you know, we can do it as long as I have. Guess what? We're there. Yeah. Uh, so I think that's going to be a big challenge going forward. 
I think it's a wonderful thing. And I applaud Division Three for finally seeing the light and going to the joint championship. You and I were, uh, were in Atlanta in 2013, and uh, I'll always remember that experience. And I remember coming back and talking to our group and having them just kind of throw cold water on the whole thing because it's not really the Division Three experience. Mm-hmm. Uh, my colleague Bobby Morgan uh, from Haverford, who's the, who has chaired the Women's Basketball Committee, had a chance to experience the joint championship last year, and she was sold immediately. And to the listeners out there, if you have any concerns at all, once you're there, mm-hmm. uh, it's, it's a wonderful experience and one that I think that our students – deserve to have the opportunity to be part of. So in that respect, I think that we have the challenge ahead of us with the field, but I'm glad we're looking ahead to doing something positive for the student athlete. I will say, I think the women's was more enjoyable than the men's only because the men's is so disconnected with different facilities. And that's not a knock. That's just the way it is. And it was smart to be in a smaller facility. I don't want to be playing in a ginormous football stadium, a D three game. That's ridiculous. But that said, uh, it is a great experience. You just, you and I both agree. We just got to fix the schedule. <laughs> that's about. That's the only thing we got to tackle. And that's, I could, that's the other challenge we face. Obviously, it's yeah. just the split semesters. There have been some, I'll say, this very minor conversations, and we hear this at division at the other divisions as well. Would you want to make basketball one semester sport? Yeah, I don't see that coming anytime in the very near future. But we're going to have to deal with the schedule having Division Three's final games being played on the first weekend in April and what yeah. that is going forward, right? Which makes crossover season even more brutal. Um, I, th- I still argue the fall or the spring br- schedule lengthwise crossover is more brutal than the fall, but the fall is full of more sports. That's why the two differences. I, we could talk forever, and I'm, I want to get you back on to give it more just due before we lose you to Division Three. I do want to ask, though, why the retirement? Why... Have you decided to hang up the the hat, as it were? And I, I promise I wasn't going to ask you specifics on future plans, but what do you hope to do in your future? Because let's be honest, sir, you're still a young man. I I, I will give it up for for posterity. I am 58, and uh, <laughs> I, I've done this I've done this job for 26 years. I've seen so many young, aggressive, talented coaches come through. I've worked with so many quality athletic administrators and presidents. Every once in a while, it just continues to go in circles. Steve, why do we only have five teams in our playoffs? Why do we play fewer games than the NCAA allows? Why do we do this? Why do we do that? And after a while, you just kind of like, is this something I want to continue doing? It's been a wonderful ride. It's been a wonderful 26 years. It's time for me to step aside and let the centennial move into its next quarter century. Uh, I've, done, I've been at intercollegiate athletics for 35 years. There's a huge part of me who would like to stay involved with athletics. It's, it's, I think it's very difficult to toss aside that type of experience. I'd like to stay in higher education. So there are some opportunities. Uh, I've talked to my wife, and uh, she moved from Cornell to Yale with me. She moved from Yale down to Lancaster with me. Oh, She's boy. Kind of is, well, the next move is hers. doesn't necessarily mean we're going anywhere, but uh, I want to be cognizant of that as well. Well played, sir. Well thought out. I have a sinking suspicion that may be, no, it's not going to be in my future. Let's let's give that one up. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm already controlled is what I'm trying to say. Um, before we let you go, we always give the guests the final word, sir. I, again, I hope to have you back on. Maybe we'll get you on the marathon show, just kind of tap, tap into things we didn't talk about. But um, 
final word, guest, uh, is yours. What Anything you want to share with those who may be tuning in? Yeah, let me touch close to home. Uh, it was 98, I think, or maybe 97, Division Three basketball online. Um, I've heard of that. Go around with that and football. And I remember when Pat Coleman reached out to me and said, you know, can we work out a, a, a deal, an arrangement? And at that time, my son was one year old, two years old, and we knew another one was coming on the way. And I was happy to pass it along. I look at what Dave, you've done, what Pat has done, and I know, I know full well I could not have ever reached the heights that you guys have taken this. And the work that you guys do for Division Three, you hear coaches say thank you for all you do, but everyone needs to understand that the time, the effort, the time away from home, the, the effort that you guys put in is truly on behalf of all of Division Three and the student-athletes. And I salute you, salute you all. Thank you for all you do. I thank you for giving up the website so quickly. <laughs> I think the rumor was 15 minutes. <laughs> uh, the great story of Pat tells of, of all of a sudden having an email with all the access to, <laughs> to the website. I didn't want to neglect that. I had a feeling you would bring it up, and, I, and that's why I want you back on, too, because I do want to talk about uh, the influence of basketball specifically. But I appreciate the time so far. Thank you for your kind words. Uh, certainly enjoyable. I love chatting with you. We'll catch up sometime down the road. In the meantime, have a great holidays, and we'll talk to you uh, sometime soon. Dave, thank you very much. Happy holidays to you and yours. Thank you, sir. Take care. Steve Ulrich joining us from the Centennial Conference. Again, we'll get him back on truncated segment. Love to hear more from him. We'll talk to more commissioners in the future, the Terry Smalls of the world, the Chris Martins of the world, and others who have been so influential, especially in the basketball side of things. We're going to try and take a break. This is where it's failed every time so far today. We're going to try and take a break, and we'll go jump out to Linfield before we wrap up today's show. You're listening to Hoops Hole, presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA NABC studios. We'll be back with more Hoops Hole, hopefully, when we return from a commercial break. I did receive a non-athletic scholarship upon entering uh, school. I got the presidential scholarship, which was huge for me. I think there's more opportunities for academic scholarships in Division Three. I did receive academic scholarships. Just being involved on campus, being a leader, all those things combined kind of get me recognized. It's a great experience for me. My name is Marcus Walker. I was All-State, won a state championship, a high school All-American, and played college and pro ball. I play because I love the game. I grind to be the best. I sweat because I put in work. I'm strong because I believe. When I want to bring it before game time, I come to the house that college basketball built, the CBE. No matter your skill, take it to another level. Elevate your game right here at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center. It's on us to stop sexual assault. In any way that we can. To get a friend home safe. To never blame the victim. It's on us. To stand up. To make our community safe for all. It's on us. It's on us to look out for each other at parties. It's on us to be more than just a bystander. To step up and say something. It's on us, all of us, to, to stop, stop sexual assault. assault. Learn how and take the pledge at itsonus.org. We've got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. 
From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division Three basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com. Oh, we got that commercial down and dusted. That's the last one we're going to hear today. As uh, we've got one more segment here with a guest, and then we'll wrap the show up after that without a break. You're listening to Hoops Hope presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA NABC studios. If you're listening on demand, thanks for working your way through the videos. If you've been listening to the podcast, we hope you appreciated that as well. We'll have a programming note as to specifically what we have scheduled for when we get back in January coming up. Um, all right, so we don't normally preview the D3Hoops.com Classic, and I've always had a hard and steady rule. I try not to talk to guests who are part of the D3Hoops.com Classic because we're going to talk to them there, and we don't want to duplicate things necessarily. Uh, it's just one of those things. Obviously, GP Gromacki and Amherst will be on again, but we didn't talk. We have talked to them way back in the preseason. But that's kind of the mentality. We don't want to duplicate. We want to give as much uh, light as we can to a bunch of schools. Well, I was watching a game the other night that changed my mind. Yeah, if you didn't notice, a heck of a game between, um, it, let's see, it was number one team, Nebraska Wesleyan. And who were they playing? Oh, yeah, the Wildcats of Linfield. Listen, folks, we're not that far removed from when Linfield wasn't much of a program to talk about. They just they couldn't seem to get over the hump, as it were. And that's not a knock on them. It just was a situation that they were presented but they are a force now in the Northwest Conference. They took Nebraska Wesleyan, who's obviously not in the conference, to the limit. Uh, it didn't go their way, though it certainly almost did. And they certainly played well. So we wanted to get a preview of them before the D3Hoops.com Classic, where they have a couple games lined up there that are going to be worth tuning into, including Ohio Northern and Ramapo. So joining us on the Hoopsville Hotline it is the head coach of Linfield. It is Shannon Rosenberg. Coach, thanks for taking the time out of what I know is a busy day. Yeah, thanks, Dave. Great, great being here with you, and I certainly appreciate all, all you do for D3 Hoops. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. Um, let's, let's let's talk about this. This program was 4-21 a couple of years ago. It was a 4-5 and five win season team for four or five years. And we started to see a little bit of light in 16-17 when it was 15-11. and 11. Last year, 16-9. and nine. Now you're out to a 6-2 and two start. And while the scoreboard says it was 90-79 in Nebraska-Wesleyan, we all know who watched it. That game was tight until the end. You guys have changed the direction of those Wildcats program. You know, it's been, it's been quite an odyssey. odyssey uh, you know, building our program and, and culture and walking into something that, that had to be revamped from the ground up. And a lot of coaches around the country, of course, go through this. And um, I've just been very, very blessed and fortunate to have some tremendous young men who have uh, stayed the course and been faithful in what we're doing and, and believed in what we're doing. And, and some talented individuals and um, who've really dedicated themselves through the last three or four years to uh, bring us to where we are now. When you look at how hard this has been, and I'm trying to remember, have you you've been there? Is this your third season, or fourth? No, this is this is my sixth. Oh, it's your sixth. Okay, I, I yeah. lost track. Totally lost track. <laughs> um, you, you did have those tough spells, and I remember seeing this program at the D3Hoops.com Classic in the past, and I remember seeing signs. Okay, you know they've got pieces. They just haven't found a way yet to kind of get over the bridge. What was that moment that? tipped the scales as it were what was that moment you realized okay now we're kind of have our feet under us now we're figuring it out we can now move forward you know three i think three years ago it started about four years ago but 
you know, I got the job late. I mm-hmm. you know, inherited uh, a very limited group, to, you know, physically, and we needed to revamp and play young for a few years. But we had a few men over the last few years that have graduated and uh, who were tremendous pioneers for our program that were really kind of culture establishers. And I think really three years ago we made the playoffs and had a nice run and, and took Whitman to the wire and, yeah. you know, started to really do some things that, that made us legitimized our, our program. Um, you know, that started the ascension and, and uh, you know, obviously it's age recruiting and, and the development of our young players, et cetera. And, um, so we feel like we're, we're a legitimate contender this year and I'm really, really proud of our team. Yeah, absolutely. I, there's plenty of people who said, and I had a feeling this would be said, but there were a lot of people going, hey, you know, the team that's going to finish third, who's going to kind of ruin some days is going to be Linfield. Uh, granted, there's other programs in the Northwest Conference now as that conference is get, gets deeper. That could be in this conversation. But a game like the Nebraska-Wesson game has got to be, even though it's a loss, has got to be something you can easily build with and say, hey, if you can go toe-to-toe with the number one team, then we can go toe-to-toe with the number four team, and we can go toe-to-toe with the number nine team in our conference. Sure. And I, you know, listen, I, the Northwest Conference is absolutely you know, filled with tremendous coaches and great teams. It's, it's highly competitive. Um, and, and, of course, that certainly the national tournament runs with some of the teams and the records, et cetera, have reflected that. But uh, I've got great admiration for other programs in our conference and, and what they've done. And we're, we're trying to, you know, uh, raise all ships here and, uh, you know, be in the conversation in, in some championship time of year. But yeah, the Nebraska Wesleyan game was just a, first of all, it was a fantastic basketball mm-hmm. game. What a first class team uh, and coaching staff. And I, I really, just a, a, I mean, I had so many people just remark, just an outstanding game. It was a very clean game. It was well played. Uh, it was a highly competitive and spirited game. And, and I think, uh, um, you know, it was just a game that, like all great games, come down to a few possessions here and there. And, um, but yeah, no, it was nice to, to be able to measure ourselves up against the kind of the best, and uh, you know we we look forward to those types of games. You've got a pretty senior laden group, and not in a bad way. You've got a lot of seniors, and no surprises. You guys try and turn the corner with the program when you took over, uh, but you're led by a sophomore in Dempsey Ruggenbuck, uh, and then you got uh, Grant Gibbs second on the team in scoring, and he's a junior. Is it all that surprising that you have underclassmen who are technically leading the way on the score sheet when you've got no. so many seniors? No, I think you know, part of that is kind of what happens in recruiting a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, as you start to get better, you can attract some more talent. And um, so, you know, those things have happened. It, it, and certainly, um, you know, our seniors have been fantastic for us. And But, yeah, we've got a, you know, it's nice. And any coach really would like to have their talent spread throughout the classes and, Certainly, Dempsey has been a force of fortune for us, and a uh, terrific player. And and uh, as it, you know, was demonstrated last year as our leading scorer as a freshman, mm-hmm. um, and the you know conference in region uh, freshman of the year. So, no, we we feel like we've got a talented uh, young group that's going to bode well for years ahead. Uh, Dempsey shoots fifty eight, almost fifty nine percent from the field. Uh, scores 20 points a game, shoots 49% from beyond the arc, though he doesn't take a ton of shots there, but he certainly will take his fair share. Uh, Grant mm-hmm. Gibb, as a sophomore, shoots well from beyond the arc. All nice little pieces there. 
which then fast forwards us to your schedule. And up ahead, as we mentioned, you'll first take on UC Santa Cruz, we should mention, on Friday evening um, before you wrap up the holidays. And then you'll head to Vegas where you'll take on Ohio Northern on the 27th and you'll face off against the uh, co-host of the event, Ramapo, and Chuck McBreen, uh, who are there every year. That's the running joke. Uh, you'll take them on on the 29th. What are your expectations with those two games? What do you hope to come out of that? What are you telling the team about the event? Well, I mean, certainly I recall from you know, the, the schedule I inherited, uh, you know, five five years ago when we showed up, but that was like showing up to a gunfight with a butter knife. So we, we feel we we feel we feel like we're better better positioned this year. And really, I told the team, look, we're going to have a great team this year, and we want a chance to go play some teams from uh, back east or the Midwest or out of region. And certainly, this event I think you know highlights and features a number of story programs from around the country and, and always brings talent to the uh, to the table and um, we're excited to be a part of that I know our guys are real excited to be a part of that we're not obviously overlooking tomorrow's game with Santa Cruz but uh, you know Ramapo you could you know what could, can't you say about them they've been a story program for a number of years uh, and in northern Ohio I don't know much about quite honestly I've just started looking at film uh, recently but just the opportunity to get out and and uh, played two two programs out of region, and, and certainly with uh, um, you know Ramapo's history and, and success to date, I, I know we're going to have challenges with uh, with both teams. But um, we're excited. We feel like we bring a, an exciting team to the tournament and, and hope to add to it. Well, it's interesting. You know, you'd rather have challenges with these games than realizing you've got the butter knife. Uh, and you may not be able to compete. So we're glad to, to see that, glad to make matchups like this and, and certainly look forward to it. I'll admit, though, we wished we could have paired you up with Husson, and there's only one reason for that. We wanted one of the most Western teams to play one of the most Eastern teams. It just for our own giggles, we thought it would be yeah. a lot of fun. Um, Coach, we'll talk more with you in Vegas. Uh, I just wanted to get a, at least an opportunity to chat with you now, especially after that big result, despite it being a loss against Nebraska Wesley, and it certainly wanted to tip our hats. Um, appreciate the time you took. Um, I know, again, you've been busy today. I think you had a camp earlier today that you've been running, um, so we appreciate the time. We do give the guests the final word. Any final thoughts you want to share with those who may be tuning in? Yeah, I just well, I'd like to say, first of all, thank you for, all, again, all you do for Division Three basketball and the men and women around the country that participate in such a fantastic uh, level of sport that, that too often, I think, is overlooked. And uh, also, just a happy holidays, Merry Christmas, and a, and a peace, a real sincere peace to everyone out there around our country, and hopefully everyone can embrace some family and loved ones and be grateful for all we have. Well said, sir. Well said. Look forward to seeing you in Vegas. Take care of yourself. The same to you. Good holidays and with family, and we'll talk to you soon. All right. Thank you, Dave. Take Absolutely. Care. Shannon Rosenberg joining us here on the Hoopsville Hotline with his Wildcats at 6-2 and two on the season, 2-0 and oh in conference play. Those two wins coming against Pacific Lutheran and Lewis and Clark. Again, Santa Cruz on Friday night at home. Then they'll come to Vegas where they'll take on Ohio, West, or Ohio Northern and Ramapo. Then they get back into the conference thick of things on the 4th and 5th against Willamette and Puget Sound, games to circle, 11th and 12th home games against Whitman and Whitworth. We get a chance to really see how Linfield's going to do in conference play the second weekend of January. And with that, we're going to wrap up today's show a little bit later than planned. Uh, we appreciate you dealing with all the technical glitches. We promise in the second semester we will hopefully have eliminated those problems. 
again, as a result of that, we were hoping to maybe put a pre-taped show together on January 3rd, the Thursday. Unfortunately, I've got a basketball game that night to be at, so we're going to put a pre-taped show together. Instead, we're going to scrap those plans and use that time instead to transition to new software and whatever else we need to fix. Um, we appreciate the the financial support from groups like WBCA, NABC. We have a couple schools coming online next semester and maybe some more, hopefully some other sponsors as well that will help us make this transition. Uh, in the meantime, so we'll hit the first show on Sunday, January 6th, live at 7 o'clock Eastern like we'd normally do. And we'll be on air every Thursday and Sunday the rest of the season, barring, and there's always a couple exceptions, Super Bowl Sunday is always a quirky one, and we may be traveling that weekend. Stick around for news on that, which may push that show to Monday. Uh, of course, we always have the marathon, should the family allow it. That would be tentatively right now January 31st. We're already, believe it or not, lining up guests for that program, uh, plus lots of more. Stuff as we cover Division Three the best we can. So again, I apologize for the technical glitches that this first semester has had and this particular show has had, but we will work to solve those so you can enjoy this show the best you can. Um, if you got guest ideas, if you got fundraising ideas, if you got sponsorship ideas, if you just got ideas for us, send them our way. You can always email us hoopsville at d3hoops.com. You can also on Twitter at d3hoopsville on Instagram at D3Hoopsville, and on Facebook at facebook.com slash Hoopsville. We appreciate your tuning in and enjoying the show with us despite our technical difficulties, which apparently worked their way up into my uh, vocal cords and lips as well. Um, I do want to say one thing, and, and I was struck, and I may get a little emotional here, I was struck and reminded of this today reading an article by Adam Turr on the D3 football side of things. Adam dabbles with us on the on the basketball side as well. You may see some articles from him in the near future, I, I'm assuming. I'm not positive. I know he's talked about paring down his role a little bit. As we all consider, to be blunt, we all consider our roles here with this group. And Adam wrote a great article um, just recently about kind of recapping the year and being so grateful. And he, and he touched on something that I am always conscious of, for lack of a better opinion. We have a tradition on this show. You hear it on almost every interview that we do that we allow the guest the final word. And the reason that came about, if you're unfamiliar, it came about because there were so many guests that I'd be like, thanks for coming on. We appreciate it. You guys have, oh, Dave, I have one more thing to say. And, and we kept getting that. And so we said, you know what? We'll just leave it to them. We'll, we'll give them the, the platform. They can say whatever they want. A vast majority of guests will will thank us. Some will, will take time to do something else or say something else. Ron Roan's words to Becky Martin uh, at McDaniel, the coach who's on interim leave right now. She battles cancer. were very poignant and well used, to, to say the least, and we welcome him. But when, when there's gratitude, I'm always caught in the middle. And I, and I sit there going, okay, the point of the segment wasn't to give us a pat on the back. I don't say, hey, what's your final word? Oh, thanks for the pat on the back, because that happens so often. That wasn't the intent. The intent was because coaches always had something else they wanted to add. We figured we'd just give them the floor without a preset question to say whatever they feel like saying. It's turned into a gratitude thing from a lot of coaches, and we appreciate that. But what Adam wrote about gratitude is what struck me, and I felt you know we should point this out. That gratitude is what helps keep us going. We're, we're not doing this for careers. We're not doing this because we make a ton of money. Maybe we can help pay the bills. 
maybe we can at least pay for our expenses when we go and see Division Three teams and see Division Three student-athletes and go to facilities and check things out. But it's the gratitude we get that it certainly drives us. I would be lying to you folks. I would be lying if I told you there aren't times I think to myself, it ain't worth doing the show tonight. It ain't worth doing the show on Thursday. It ain't worth doing the show this season. I'd be lying to you. It has happened numerous times. There are health reasons. There are other things that are going on that are challenged. And you sit there going, do I really want to spend the time to email SIDs and coaches to get them on the show? Do I really want to spend the time to pre-record interviews? Do I really want to spend the time to put graphics together and promote the show? And then do I really want to sit in my chair for two to three hours twice a week and do the show? And the real answer is yes, I do. But there are times where that is difficult. It's the gratitude that drives you because it's there are people who are thankful for the work. And for that, I'm thankful to them. I am always thankful that coaches and student athletes will come on this show. I am always thankful to sports information directors who are willing to take the time to help us get those individuals on the show and help us promote those schools and programs. I'm thankful to the D3 Hoop staff, Ryan Scott, Gordon Mann, Pat Coleman, who I can bounce ideas off of, who give me ideas, who agree to come on the show, or the Frank Rossies of the world or other guys out there who help benefit us behind the scenes. It is those groups, and then the WBCA, NABC, and others who help us financially, that that gratitude is what drives us ultimately. And Adam Turr's words about that struck a chord with me and I felt tonight or today was a good time to say that again yes we end up saying do you have anything else to say coach the floor is yours and that coach tends to then thank us we don't do it for self-promotion but that thank you is a way of self-preservation to keep us going and to keep doing this we've done this show now for 16 years starting in 2001 i can't imagine a life that it doesn't have it my children don't know a life where this show doesn't exist downstairs in daddy's office and my wife doesn't know a world that doesn't exist without this show it is a lot on them it's a lot on me but i love it because of the student athletes and i love it because of the fans so please understand why we do that and please go to d3football.com check out adam tura's article it is so well put he talks about thinking about going away and not doing this anymore and how the gratitude brings him back. That's what struck a chord. And with that, I wish you a Merry, Hol a Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays, whatever you celebrate, Happy New Year. Again, we'll be back on Sunday, January 6th. We will work to fix this show to do it better for you, better for the student-athletes, better for the programs, better for the coaches, better for the administrators. We enjoy doing this show, and we will try and make it less of a headache. If you've got ideas, send them our way. And with that, happy holidays. Join us in Vegas, whether it's online or in person. we got some great games lined up and looking forward to being with Pat Cohen, who, by the way, is celebrating his birthday today. Make sure you go wish the uh, head of D3sports.com a happy birthday. Join us, Ira Thor, and others as we bring you the games. We look forward to it. We hope you do as well. You've been listening to Hoopsville, presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA and NABC Studios, the Women's Basketball Coaches Association, and National Association of Basketball Coaches, in impactful assistance from them every single year. We hope you have a wonderful holidays. It is a safe holidays, and one we hope you can spend with family, whatever you consider family to be. We'll see you in the new year with more Division Three basketball. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. Take care. We'll talk to you soon.